0: Big Dumb Movie is a comedic podcast that often contains obscene language and outlandish commentary. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Big Dumb Movie, where we discuss movies of the Big Dumb variety. I'm your host, Corey, and I'm joined by two friends. Steve, it is better that you should rush upon this blade... Then enter this podcast with fear in your heart. How do you enter? frozen of bulks in this movie, I'm scared to fucking death. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. You are in the circle now. Thank you. Josh, it is better that you should rush upon this blade than enter this podcast with fear in your heart. How do you enter?
1: With bad jokes and movie references.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good girl. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Of course, I'm here with Steve and Josh. Guys, thank you very much for being here. I'm very excited for us to talk about the 90s hit, The Craft. Was this a hit? I mean, it did okay. You made some money. It did, yeah. It scared parents, though, Steve. Did you know that? Yeah, I mean,
2: anything that touches on this kind of subject matter, especially during the 90s, they were just immediately like, it's the movies these kids are watching. You know,
0: any bad thing happens. Yeah, it's right. The movie. It's Marilyn
2: Manson. It's Guar's fault. Like anything they could blame aside from the fact that they'd let their kids spend their adolescence playing with guns.
0: I mean, we talked about this, but Guar was a comedy act essentially.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they they were and still are to this day an intentional pun. They never took themselves seriously.
1: Goddamn kids listening to anthrax and playing Doom and Mortal Combat. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, Mortal Kombat did get uh, blamed for violence in the 90s. I mean, I don't think anyone ever said, like, this person did this because of Mortal Kombat. Or maybe they did, but they definitely said, like, violent video games are a problem. I killed my
1: wife because I played too much Mortal Kombat.
2: Right. I can definitely remember, um, like, Manson being called out specifically. He 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 was one of the big names that was getting called out specifically after Columbine. They were claiming that those two kids had gone nuts because they listened to his music specifically. I'm not even – this isn't even about whether or not you're a fan of Manson's music. It's just it was ridiculous to say that those two kids had shot up his school because of his records.
0: Yeah, they wanted to, like, cancel his his tours because of that. Yeah. And he voluntarily actually canceled some. But you know what I say? School shooting or not, just cancel all his tours forever. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Just fucking take him off the grid. Like, get rid of this fucking guy.
2: Yeah, he's apparently – I always thought – he, he interviewed very well for a long time, and I always thought he was one of those dudes that, like, I never loved his music, but that he was more intelligent than, than the act came off. And, but over the years, a lot of stuff has come out, and I know the last year or two, maybe three, he's been accused of sexually assaulting some women. And it's like, uh, maybe this dude really was the scumbag other people were describing him as.
0: Yeah, I mean, that aside, I just, I can't stand his cringe act. Yeah. Like, to me, it's, like, such an act. I've always it hated is. this guy. And I don't mean to go too far into Marilyn Manson on this podcast, but it's so edgelordy what he it does. Is. He gives off this, like, you know, intellectual demeanor. Well, at least he used to. He yeah. doesn't really do that anymore now. He's just kind of, like, a, a drunk. Right. But, like, dude, like, it's not cool to, like, act like you're a goth edgelord, <laughs> I just don't like it. It's no. just a personal thing.
1: You're saying I should take off my dog collar, right? Rub off my my crow makeup that I'm currently wearing.
2: I will, the crow gets a pass for me because I fucking love it. But cool, because I didn't want to rub this makeup off. Look, I can. It's get a it- sharpie, anyway. <laughs> I would mostly agree with you. I'd give him a little bit of a pass early in his career when he's in his early 20s, and that was kind of the fashion of the moment for people at that end of the music industry. But yeah, once he got past the first three or four years of it and got older, it's like it's time for your act to evolve. Like the fact that you're now in your 40s and you're still wearing the makeup and the dog collar and the giant leather bondage suit, it's like no one's really buying it anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Didn't he like try to get into acting for a short bit? He's not a bad actor, actually. He, yeah, he did. He did make his way into some TV stuff, right? And from what I've seen, he was pretty, pretty decent in it. He just I,
2: reminds me a lot of that. The, no, the Jared Leto, the, though, right? Well, yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he also reminds me so much of that character from Grandma's Boy, the, the 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 game programmer who wants to be the robot. Yeah, JP <laughs>
0: man.
1: Yeah. I'm thinking of getting metal legs. It's a risky operation, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: I'm surprised Manson was able to stay sober long enough to read his lines, to be honest. Because that dude is a notorious fucking drunk asshole. (laughs) So before we discuss the craft, which I think is like peak witch movie, in my opinion, like this is like really one of the upper echelon of witch movies, but I'm going to set that aside for the time being. I want to talk about other witch movies. Because witch movies can kind of like vary in genre and quality steve what which movies are notable to you or like what's one that like rings a bell in your head
2: there's a lot of them and i went looking to remind myself just to see if there's anything i've forgotten about and the lines start to get pretty blurry because it's like if the movie has a prominent witch character in it it often gets pitched as being a witch movie but
1: i would consider say that if the movie isn't like the plot isn't about witchcraft or if the theme of the movie isn't about witchcraft, I would say no.
2: See, and that, that, that doesn't really leave you with all that many. I mean, I can think of like Hocus Pocus, I guess is really about the witches and the witchcraft. We did a pod on that. Um, Neil Gaiman's book, Stardust is sort of about a witch character and that got adapted into a movie. I love Stardust. Yeah, me too. That movie didn't do very well, but I thought it was fun. I'm kind of a huge soft spot for anything Gaiman works on anyway, but but I guess the big ones for me, the ones that I thought of – well, okay, the, other, the one other big one I'll mention was The Witches of Eastwick. It's the only other big movie I could think of that really qualified as is, is like a a witch movie. But I'm going to stretch – for my favorite, I'm going to stretch it a little because Dario Argento did, did three movies, the Mother's Trilogy, that have witchcraft at the center of them, um, Suspiria, Inferno, and The Mother of Years. And I, those were like the biggest for me. But Giallo is a pretty – niche genre it's not gonna be for everybody
0: what is it about him you like the giallo films are
2: very operatic they were horror films but informed from a very italian artistic sensibility i mean they're also very much of their time off because a lot of them came out during the 70s but it's it's a a lot of use of color and imagery and a lot of tone. It it's it's interesting where like especially with Giallo, there are these moments of intense violence, but they're used to often pockmark what is otherwise a mostly visual experience and it tends to run kind of counter to a lot of like if you look at where American horror was at the same time, it was like Toby Hooper doing Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And that movie's kind of a classic in its own right, but it it's it's less Artistic in a way, I guess. I, I I don't want to put the movie down, but it's really driven by shocking you purely with the violence. Where with Giallo, that's part of it, but the other part of it is how it it how it uses violence to break monotony.
1: Leatherface hits you in the head with a sledgehammer, and that's scary. <laughs> right. But I, I've never really delved too deeply into the gi- Giallo uh genre. Like I've seen bits and like clips on
0: YouTube and Right. I've always wanted to kind of dip into that. Josh, why don't you tell me what which movies you have dipped into? Like, what's one that sticks out to you?
1: Okay, I think everybody's expecting me to say Season of the Witch, but I'm not. (laughs) That's not the one. (laughs) All three of our listeners were ready. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'd like to give a shout out to The Vavitch. You know, that's a, a genuinely good film. But that's it's not the one I want to talk about now. I, don't know. <laughs> I want to talk about The Last Witch Hunter with Vin Diesel. Oh,
0: God.
1: Uh, Why do you want to talk about that? Yeah, that's us? a good this question. This is a movie that I have gone back and forth with on whether or not I should make a video on because it's it's fucking awful. But I've got better things so to do with God. my time, so I, I figured this is as good a time as any to just... Just vent about that for like 20 minutes. Michael Bay's movies are a better use of your time. That's how bad that movie is. <laughs> okay, <All right>. so, <laughs> Vin Diesel plays an immortal edgelord <laughs> who works for the Vatican and slays witches.
0: The Vatican hired Vin Diesel
2: in that movie? <laughs> the Vatican employs witch
0: slayers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's the last of the- They put an ad on Craigslist? Like, <laughs> how do they do that? Like, where do they find them? (laughs) Like, Uh, Indeed.com? They reached out to Ben's Instagram. They they were were,
2: uh, recommended to him by Van Helsing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know a guy. Right?
1: (laughs) Elijah Wood's in this movie for some reason. God, he makes such weird choices. He's like Ben's, like, little pre-sidekick character guy. (laughs) And he turns out to be... There's the big... For all, like, four people that were interested, The Last Witch Hunter, I'm about to give away the only plot point in this movie, and it's a twist, so you actually care, just skip forward. But, like, Elijah Wood, he becomes the cipher of the group, you know, the Matrix <laughs> style, and betrays Vin and the crew, and just immediately dies, and it's pathetic, and I hate this movie. And I've seen it, like, two or three times because I have debated on making a video on it. And I've just tortured myself with it. Josh, you masochist. Yeah, what the fuck? Why don't you just hit yourself in the balls and move on with your day? what's, What's weird is, like, because Vin has that weird contract thing, so he'll, like, he'll throw a witch through a wall... But the witch will also throw him through a wall. You know, they give equal damage, you know.
0: Oh, is he
2: one of those
1: ones where he gets the contractual
2: proviso that says he's got to get more hits in?
0: That's no, it's a, at least an even amount. That actually started with the Fast and the Furious franchise, I think. In, oh. I think in seven. No, no, no. I think it went back to five, actually, where they have to hit each other an equal number of times.
2: Because there have been other actors who've ha- wanted similar things, like, I can't be yeah. put in a fight that I don't win, or I can only be made to bleed a certain amount on screen because they don't want to be seen as weak.
0: I think in the modern uh, era, that precedent was set in the Fast and Furious franchise yeah. with that, and then it kind of, like, followed from them. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a strange thing, but uh, I heard Pappy make a decent argument once, you know, from Spoilers podcast, that, like... There is not that many action stars in the world, and they, like, are really trying to protect their brand. Which I get to a degree, but, like, you know, I think in terms of story, it's good for a character to have some vulnerability.
2: Yeah, I mean, the problem with that argument is that it's partly inaccurate, in my opinion. This is about ego more you than You just anything. always
0: want to debate him, don't you?
2: Well, the problem is he's wrong more often than he's right. Uh, you know, unfortunately for him, and I'm sure he's going to have a response to that, which is fine. But, uh... It's an ego thing as much as it is anything else. I, uh, honest to God. Like, he's not wrong. I'm not saying he's completely wrong, but it's an ego thing as much as it. Bruce Willis doesn't give a shit about that. He just doesn't want to be seen getting his ass beat on screen. Vin Diesel doesn't want to get beat up by The Rock because he he doesn't want The Rock to be the one who gets to win that fight. And it's it's the same way from The Rock's perspective. It's, it's, it's an ego bit. You know, it's not going to damage your multimillion-dollar film career if your character dies in an action film. But they still don't want it to happen.
1: I bet you won't say that to Vin's face when he's got a camera in your face on Instagram. What
0: do you think, Justin?
1: Week one. Just finish week one. Is it fair to say that this will be the best one? bye
2: I would say it to a camera. I probably wouldn't say it to him if I'm We're having honest.
1: a good time out here, right? <laughs> Making the the best film ever. I mean, look, I am fully Send aware of...
2: Send help. SLS. I'm fully aware of the fact that my opinions would piss some of these people off, but the fact that they wouldn't like it doesn't make it untrue.
0: Also, to be fair, I might be misrepresenting Pappy's argument. I don't remember exactly what he said word for word, so.
2: No, and I'm, I'm just joking around also. I mean, Pappy actually is quite, quite smart, but still. Smarter than you? Nobody's smarter than me. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: Uh, so in the 90s, Steve, there used to be a thing that happened. Maybe it still happens and I just don't know about it, but it was called the MTV Movie Awards.
2: Yes, it is still going on, but I, don't, I think it's watched a lot. I don't want to make it sound like it's irrelevant, but I don't think it's quite the social presence it was in the 90s.
0: To me, it was like the Oscars in the 90s. Like, I didn't watch the Oscars as a kid, but I watched the MTV Movie Awards. If you
2: were a teenager in the 90s, I would say you're absolutely right.
1: Dude, Toby McGuire got Best Kiss for Spider-Man.
2: Right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, if you were between the ages of approximately, like, 10 and 17 during the 90s, it really was for a... You would have had to be a kid that, for whatever reason, had an interest in movies to even care about the Oscars.
1: When I was a kid, the MTV Movie Awards had a a category for Best Villain. And as a kid, that (laughs) was fucking awesome, because I love villains. I think that was really the genius, is not only did they pack the show
2: with all the younger performers that younger people wanted to see, but they, they... invented categories for things that teenagers would mostly care about like the reality is i care now but most 16 year olds don't give a shit about a best special effects or a best sound mixing award even a lot of adults don't want to have to sit through those awards
0: you know they don't even air some of those awards <laughs> on the TV. They yeah
2: they
1: don't even air them anymore
2: it's the funniest thing to me because that's that's what the awards were supposed to be when they were invented like it was not originally intended to be something the industry turned into a thing for audiences. It was supposed to be an industry insider thing where they recognized each other and it became a commercial endeavor as time went on. But yeah.
0: Well, the most commercial endeavor was definitely the MTV Movie (laughs) Awards. And like you said, this was like cool. It was for the kids and the young adults and the teenagers. There was also
2: a Nickelodeon version for even younger kids. Exactly, yeah. yeah. That
0: one I I didn't really watch as much, but... You can get slimed on that one. (laughs) Yes! The MTV Movie Awards in 1997 had a best fight, and I remember it. And I went back and I watched it on YouTube, but I remember it. I remember some of who was nominated, which I'll read off here. It was actually presented by Hanson, so it was very much of his time. Yeah. And there was kind of a funny bit where David Spade was up there with him, acting like he was the fourth Hanson brother. So, like, that was, you know, it was kind of cute. It wasn't just Hanson, they had an actual comedian.
1: Oh, man, that (laughs) sentence won't be dated at all. No,
2: I mean, wow, that that five-year period where David Spade was considered funny enough for people to care. Of course, he made the same movie with Chris Farley three times, but that's fine. Don't worry about that. <laughs> hey,
1: don't... He's yeah. got Joe Dirt on the way. Right. Yeah. <gasps> they weren't bad, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was funny sometimes. Yeah. <clears throat> so the nominees for Best Fight for the 1997 MTV Movie Awards were... Pamela Lee in Barbwire. Oh, shit. It was like whatever her big action scene was. Not great, right? Not that was adapted movie. from a comic. Jim Brown in Mars Attacks. Do you remember he boxes yes! a Martian? I fucking love that movie. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not a great action scene, though. It's kind of a funny bit that he, like, punches the Martian See, in the glass.
2: that's the thing. It's not meant to be, like, a serious action scene. It's meant to be a joke. Right.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. Uh. This is, like, a pretty low bar. Right. Jim Carrey versus Matthew Broderick in The Cable book Guy. Oh, Jesus. The, the medieval time scene. Even that, again, is supposed to be mostly a joke fight. Right. At least that, that's more of a fight than the other two nominees. True. So the craft between Nancy and Sarah at the end, which we'll talk about that scene later, but yeah. that was one of the nominees, which is why I'm bringing it up here. At least at, that's a fight. And the last one was Jackie Chan in First Strike.
1: Jesus Christ, he should have oh, won. Shit. Now
0: I was a big Jackie Chan fan back then. Oh, I'm still a huge Jackie Chan fan straight up. I love Jackie Chan. This is one of the biggest Jackie Chan action scenes. This is the one where he fights with the ladder.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was a really good one and like they were still a lot of fun, but a lot of those movies had been released in in Hong Kong and in mainland China like anywhere from 3 to 5 years prior to us getting them here. And they would take them and they'd give them a new title and they'd re-edit them and they'd dub them in English and then they'd release them here. And in some cases, we didn't even get all of the related movies. Like what we got here is Supercop is actually the third film in a trilogy. And, and it, it was actually Supercop 3. And uh, if you've never seen the first two, there's a bunch of references in Supercop that don't make any sense because there's a bunch of returning characters. And American audiences didn't really care. Still a lot of fun to watch. But yeah, I love those movies and that was a great fight scene.
0: Absolutely, that (laughs) ladder fight in Jackie Chan First Strike is insane. It is, it is. And then, which one is it? I can't even remember
2: that dude's name. There's this really, really tall French dude. He always had a buzz cut, and he almost always had his hair bleached. He frequently wore a bomber jacket and skinny jeans in the movies that he appeared. He was in one with Jackie Chan. He was in Kiss of the Dragon with Jet Li. He was in two or three others. He was really well known for his high kick. This dude was really like a European champion, uh, a karate fighter, and he could. He was one of these dudes that, like, standing straight up, he's like six foot four, and he could touch his knee to his face. He could. He could really kick basically vertical. It's crazy. And there's one at the end of one of the Jackie Chan movies. Chan fights him on a rooftop. It's fucking awesome.
3: That sounds
0: dope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds like the kind of thing I would have loved as a kid. For yes. Sure. Anyway, so the craft did win, actually, that, and uh, Robin Tunney and Faruza Balk, they accepted the award, and Faruza Balk seemed, like, really genuinely, like, grateful, and, like, she dedicated it to, like, stunt workers, and, I don't know, it just seemed like it was really nice, like, her acceptance. Robin Tunney was kind of, like, doing jokes, and she seemed a little bit like a cold fish, but Faruza Balk seemed really, like, happy about it. It was cool. Robin Tiny
2: never struck me as the type that cared much about those award shows. And that's not even a knock at her either, either as a person or an actress. It's just I don't, don't think she really mattered.
1: My agent told me I had to be here.
2: That's probably what happened. The funniest part is is uh, MTV, for some strange reason, refused to invite Rachel True, And she always claimed it was because she's black. I have she no idea. She played Rochelle. Yeah, I have no idea whether that's true or not. I'm just recounting the story, and and but yeah, that which is kind of fucked up. The other girls got invites. I think
0: but. it's because she was living in an old folks' home and she couldn't actually <laughs> they couldn't get her in a car because she had a bad back. Right.
2: It's so <laughs> funny how much older they always were in the '90s. And the we we just saw it in Buffy last time. And when like, this
0: movie came out, that actress that played Rochelle was nearly 30 years old. 29.
2: Yeah. I mean, and the other girls were a few years younger, but they were all between like 20, 22, or 23 and 25 themselves frieza you know. balk was 20 20 at the okay time of filming yeah. at least yeah so she was the youngest then and uh yeah i mean it's 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 nuts there's even even in an episode of the simpsons they spoof it there's an episode where a bunch of actors from big tv shows are supposed to be walking up in a, a red carpet and when luke perry gets close enough to the camera you can see he's got wrinkles in his face are you <laughs> telling me
1: luke perry isn't 17
0: <laughs>
2: No, well, the poor guy is no he longer with He was never 17. Us, yeah, I think he was born being 33 and then went right to work as an yeah. actor. <laughs>
0: yeah, he was manufactured in a factory right, to be a teen actor. He was born with the soul patch intact. <laughs> right. He's like a Terminator. It just pushed him off the line, you know? Uh, him and Tori
2: Spelling. If, if Hollywood could factory make actors, they absolutely would. <laughs>
0: The Craft. The Craft. Directed by Andrew Fleming, the 1996 movie, Steve, how the hell was this movie made? Wait, I don't know nearly as much about this one. I know that the producer,
2: Douglas Douglas Wick, wanted to do a high school-type movie, which, I mean, makes sense. 80s and 90s, that was a huge genre, especially after several of John Hughes' films came out. I think he decided at some point that in order to make it stand out from other teen movies that they would make it about witchcraft, Somehow that turned into a script. I'll be honest with you, I don't even know who wrote this movie. I I did not have time to do my normal level of research, and it's not a movie I know a lot about off the top of my head, but it was his idea, the, the script got written, they eventually brought in Andrew Fleming as director, who I get the impression is not a bad director, but has not had a tremendous career outside of this. In fact, the only other two items I could find in his resume that I thought were even worth mentioning... Was a one being a really small production called Hamlet Two, which I actually think is hilarious, really funny movie, and then um, a 2015 remake of Problem Child, which
0: a I TV movie, bro. Yeah, I, I have not seen this. I need to watch this movie.
2: You're braver than I am. I'm. I'm. Yeah.
0: I need to watch this movie. Um, as, as me and Steve for the audience listening, <laughs> right. we, we both know uh, that Problem Child actor. <laughs> you better than me Michael but yeah. Oliver so yeah I, <laughs> I deal with him on almost a daily basis I don't mean to say it in a negative not no a, no I, I, he's I, a cool guy yeah he's a cool guy he's a great dude
2: but um uh, so I know that they considered a lot of actresses for the main parts the internet claims 85 as per usual take anything on the internet with a grain of salt but they, they claim 85 actresses screen tested for the four main parts including Angelina Jolie Scarlett Johansson who nobody would have known at the time she would have been awfully young I was born in eighty three. Johansson's gotta be within a couple of years of being the same age as me. She would have been she really would have been about high school age when this movie came out, or close to it. I think
0: she was a child actor first, right? Yeah, she she started right. working pretty young.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Um, not that I think she would have been bad, but she was just far younger than any of the other choices, as far as I'm aware. The the character of Rochelle was rewritten to be African American so they could cast Rachel True. Which is funny because they apparently did not want to screen test her. And Rachel True's original agent just called her back one day and said, yeah, they're not interested. Let's just look for other parts. And she was not, Rachel wasn't willing to accept that. So she she actually solicited other agents on her own time until she found someone who was willing to help press the producers to get her the part. And they ended up giving it to her. So good for her.
0: Yeah, her original character actually had an eating disorder. Yes. was her internal dilemma that she was facing as a teenager goth girl so they rewrote
2: that we'll get to it when we get to it but the way they rewrote her situation i i actually found a little shocking like the i i, I couldn't believe they got christine taylor to deliver that line it's that's really a nasty line but we'll yeah. talk about it anyway but yeah so they they ended up with uh Faruza balk nev campbell Rachel True and Robin Tunney. Rachel True was probably the least known, definitely, I would say, the least known of that group at the time. The rest of them were all really well-known working actors. Nev Campbell at the time was on a super popular show called Party of Five,
0: but she wasn't the neff Campbell we came to know. Like this was no. before Screen.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. She she went to film Screen. I think something like three weeks after they wrapped on this. Yeah. And the two movies came out within a few months of each other. And funnily enough, um, she ended up playing ac- across from um, Skeet Ulrich. Uh, who's one of the male leads in this movie. So they went back to back. Robin Tunney was doing a lot of work at the time. She came directly from shooting a movie called Empire Records to the set for this. Empire Records is not like a massive moneymaker, but it's a movie that a lot of people of roughly my age have a really big soft spot for. It's a very perfect movie for that moment. Had a lot of people that were popular at that time in it. Um, She actually had to wear a wig for the entire production because she'd shaved herself bald for Empire Records. She also played a character in both films with wrist scars, which I think is interesting. She went from playing one character to another that had done it. Uh, Nev Campbell, also uh, Meyer, one of the co-stars in this, he had a much smaller part in this, but he appeared with *Throne Party of Five. And of course, Feruza Balk had been around for years and years. She, she'd been in one of my
0: favorites, uh, Return to Oz. Um, Meyer, real quick, I feel like he appeared in every teen movie in the 90s and TV show.
1: That's how I feel.
0: Like he was always that guy on the side with the long hair, kind of goofy. Like he always played the same character. I feel like he was in like Clueless and like Boy Meets World and shit.
2: Yes, he always played that character. He played a very similar character in one of my favorite 90s movies, Go. Um
0: Go I was about
1: to bring up Go.
2: Oh my god, do you know Go, yes. Josh? I fucking love that movie. I would love to do a pod on that movie. Movie so unique for its time. It really is it was a great way to do it and it's like the only example of that type of storytelling that I'm aware of that was really primarily aimed at younger people. I mean the only other thing like it from that
0: era that came off well was pulp fiction. Well, Snatch, but that wasn't so much for kids. That's true.
1: Everybody was trying to rip off that Tarantino style, you know? Uh, I think that right. they kind of stuck the landing for, for the most part with Go. To me, <laughs> Go
0: was, was like a fast-paced Guy Ritchie kind of yeah. endeavor, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah, that's not a bad way to put it. In fact, I think, now i misremembered, I'm pretty sure Doug Lehman directed Go, and he's also English. So it, it's kind of funny, there's sort of a shared style between the two of them. But yeah, so they got the group of them. Um, They they got a a woman named Pat Devon. I don't know how they found her, but apparently she was a very well-known Wiccan expert. and She did a lot of the um, consulting for them on the film, so stuff would seem at least vaguely real. They did film the movie mostly around L.A. There's a moment, no one who doesn't live here would probably know it, there's a moment where they're driving up Broadway and they almost get into a car accident in front of Clifton's cafeteria, which I think is funny.
0: Tony Clifton comes (laughs) out. Right? I would love that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The high school they're supposed to be going to was a fictional Catholic school. They actually shot that at Verdugo Hills High School.
0: Oh, shit. No way. They shot that at Verdugo? They
2: did. I used to live in Tonga. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Dude, That's for some reason, I think a lot of even L.A. people think that that's some kind of weird, far-flung area, and I actually like it out there. It's very ranchy. That's a nice high school.
0: Yeah, they filmed a few things in that area. Sons of Anarchy was all filmed in that area. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, if someone my dad was friends with for years had a ranch out near that like on the, well, in the in Shadow Yad Hills, outside. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah,
0: I loved going out there. Yeah, Shadow Hills is, is decent. But the deeper you get into hunger, the more meth will you'll step into.
2: I have heard that, and I've I've heard it leak down from from like uh, Valencia Palmdale because a lot of the labs are out in the desert. Yeah, uh, which is unfortunate because I mean that it's a problem in a lot of communities, otherwise nice communities. But
1: I've been expanding my empire, so. <laughs> right?
2: Sarah's home in this film was a, a, real, uh, a real mansion, or at least the outside of it was. Most of the interiors were filmed in studios in Culver City. Um, the occult bookstore in this movie, which looked really nice, is built uh, into a building as part of the El Adobo Marketplace on Hollywood Boulevard, which is a really neat bunch of old buildings. Not a whole lot else to say about the production aside from that. I, it's one thing I thought was interesting, um, Feruza Bulk started visiting a well-known store in Hollywood called Panpipes Magical Marketplace during pre-production, and she liked the store so much that she ended up buying it from its owners, and she maintained it until the early 2000s when she resold it to some of the people who were her employees there. So the store is still there, and at one point you could not you could have visited it while, um, while she owned it. Oh, there's one other thing. I'd forgotten about this one. Andrew Fleming, the guy who directed it, in 2017 claimed that the WB show Charmed had ripped off this idea. And I'd never thought about it before, but if you listen to his argument, it's not a terrible argument. It's really not. There's a lot of similarities. They even aped some of the same music. They, they, they used a cover of...
1: How Soon Is Now as the theme. They used a...
2: Yeah, they used a cover of How Soon Is Now in this, and How Soon Is Now became the theme for that show. So Charmed, Charmed,
1: I don't know, looked, looked a little bit like it. Because he, he had pitched a spinoff show about this, right? Yes, that's and the other thing. Somehow come- it didn't get greenlit, but we got this other idea.
2: Yeah, he went to WB and said, I thought this would, I think this would make a great spinoff show. And they're like, ah, sorry, we're not really interested. And then a year later, Charmed comes out with the same piece of music as its and theme sons song. Sons of bitches. And right? Even Rob and Tunny was like, I thought it was completely obvious the moment I saw
0: Charmed that they'd knocked He's like, out I got another out. idea. <laughs> Clarissa explains it all with a talking cat.
2: Yes. The, right, <laughs> that, and now we've got Sabrina the Teenage Witch. God, I had such a crush on on Melissa Joan Hart. But uh, I guess one other thing for anyone out there that's a big enough film dork to give a shit or would even know what this means, but uh, Kodak had introduced a brand new film stock, 5287, like a year before they filmed This was one of the first movies shot on it. But uh, I guess one other little detail touch as far as the Wiccan stuff goes, we'll touch on this more, but they constantly refer in this film to a uh, supposed Wiccan or pagan deity they call Manon
1: Manus, Manos in right? the hands of fate.
2: Right? Uh, there's no Manon in Wicca. That There's a similar deity, but that that one does not exist. In fact, in France, Manon is uh, usually a woman's first name.
0: Manon. Yeah. So. Manon. <laughs> right? They never say the N at the end of Manon. Right. We are praying to Manon. But yeah, that's, that's really the bulk of what I know about this movie.
1: But we'll uh, reprimand you later for your lack of research after the pod. I know Make sure you cut that out,
0: Corey
2: I spent less than 12 hours on this one So it's really, it was a light, light endeavor for me
0: <laughs> Thank you very much, Steve It is time to talk about the craft Ours is
4: the magic. Ours is the power.
0: Josh, why don't you tell us how the craft opens up?
1: So interestingly, this movie opens with three of our main characters in the middle of a seance. In the seance, they summon the opening credits, which I found <laughs> was pretty interesting.
0: It is pretty interesting, I like
1: that. <laughs> Not a whole lot of films do that, you know? So we're introduced to Sarah, new in town. Have you heard that, that plot point before? No, have they done that
0: before? What a great concept. (laughs) (laughs) It's groundbreaking. The new kid in school.
1: Yes, so, fresh new home, hanging out in the kitchen, and then what do you know, a bum just happens to be in her kitchen, tries to offer to sell her a snake.
0: I got this trouser snake for you. (laughs) And he
1: just, he aggressively tells her to relax. Relax. Yeah, relax. I
2: just want you to touch my snake. <laughs> <laughs> why, God damn it, why can't you relax? Uh, like, there are at least two scenes in this film where somebody just, like, comes up to the house and starts talking to her, and her dad is constantly chasing men away. And it <laughs> presents a very scary picture of having a daughter in Los Angeles, man.
1: As is the life of a dad, I'm sure. <laughs>
0: Steve, how would you handle a situation where a hobo walked into your front door with a snake? Honestly,
2: I thought the dad's reaction wasn't that bad. The first thing he does is just grabs a fire poker and tries to chase the guy out. And it's like, what else are you going to do? What would you? Is that what you would do? Probably do something. Do you have a fire poker? I, you know what? I have a set of fire set, fireplace tools. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a bad one. I would offer to buy the snake. I mean, look, like, I would prefer to go the rest of my life without ever being in a situation where I hurt anyone else. I really would. But, like, at the same time, if I come downstairs and there's some dude with a snake accosting my teenage daughter... Like that's how you get yourself fucking fire poked, bro. I'm gonna come after you. You better run.
0: Like, I'm gonna get a little fire poked. You a little fire poke. You know, like Steve. It rains a fucking lot. Oh, thank you. I almost forgot about. I
2: want to mention that.
0: Like, is I, this an El Nino year? Yeah, that's gotta be
2: right. Like, we get we get what twenty days of actual rain, thirty it, days of actual rain a year. That's something That's like generous. That. Yeah. You know, and, like, maybe three of those will be that. We did have a winter two or three years ago-ish where we got an unusually large amount of rain.
1: See, I thought California's weather was tied in with your emotions. So if you were sad, <laughs> it rained, you know? Well, I, like You're
0: thinking she, of New Hampshire. She's oh.
2: supposed to have moved from San Francisco. No, up there, not... Maybe days on end. But up there it is more common. Like, when I lived in the Bay Area, definitely got a lot more rain days and more heavy. But, like, you come down to here, yeah, and those kind of rain days are really unusual. And they did it in Buffy, too. There was a scene we mentioned in Buffy where Luke Perry and Christy Swanson are outside a mall and all the streets are wet. Like, everything's been, been raining. And it's like it doesn't rain like that here that often. But it's one of those things they always want to do because it makes everything look nicer and there's something kind of dark and sort of romantic about rain, you know? So I'll, I'll forgive them, but you're right. It struck me too. (laughs) They're, they're coming from the airport and stuff. And that was one of the first things I thought is like, this is raining an awful lot. It's really coming down. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that might happen for 20 minutes one day in November and then it's over.
0: (laughs) But that's a minor thing in the, in the movie, Steve, I think getting to the actual plot, Sarah Robin Tunney new girl in school yeah. uh, she shows up to her Catholic high school really made me appreciate the fact that I never went to a Catholic high school because good God that looks yeah. painful <laughs> but uh, there, there's some goth girls in this school aren't there
2: yeah yeah, it, it, it's uh, interesting there really do tend to be a few of those I, I shirked being sent with them but some friends of mine most of whom were not even Catholic ended up at a Catholic high school in uh, Sherman Oaks, and uh, it, it was interesting. You wouldn't expect the school would let it happen, but it, it did seem that there's a few of them around, at all of them. And uh, yeah, this particular school, we've got three girls who are very, very gothy and uh, are, are into some witchcrafty type stuff. And if you know what what Wiccan girls were, were looking like in the '90s, you could identify them at a million miles. So. <laughs>
1: the head of the Catholic school's like, normally we wouldn't allow that at attire, but since you're main characters, I guess we can allow it. <laughs> <laughs> right?
3: I'll allow oh, it.
2: Dude, I mean, since you mentioned that, I mean, I'm just going to touch on it really quick, but one of the tropes we talked about for Buffy is in this one as well, and as I mentioned during Buffy, it's in like 80% of the movies about teenagers from this era. Somehow, these kids do not have parents that care at all about where they are, like, ever.
1: Dude, when you're 17, your parents don't exist anymore. They're just yeah, always exactly. out of town. Your parent is a is like, an answering machine.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, and, a, and an ATM. Like, I knew a few kids, even myself included to a degree, where, like, I could disappear for a few hours at a time without my parents blowing me up. But, like, if my parents realized I was out until 10, 11, 12 at night, multiple nights a week... During school nights, is 16, 17, 18, there's no way that would have flown. Like I,
1: That's basically your early 20s. You live life how you see fit.
2: Yeah, exactly. When I got to 21, 22, and I was living by myself, and I can legally drink, fine, yeah. But when I was 17, there's no fucking way. And these kids, they've, they've constantly got booze. God knows how. They've always <laughs> One of them's always got a beer or a bottle of rum or something.
0: They never show you in these movies how hard it is to acquire alcohol. That yeah, is. who sold it to you? Because that was like hours of work. It
2: did. You had to know which stores and which clerk would do it and when that person was working and like, yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, and like they've always got cigarettes. I mean, I guess that one, a bunch of the 16, 17-year-olds I knew myself included were smoking. But that that was another one. You had to know which clerk at which convenience store would sell them to you without carding you. And like it's so weird that these kids in all these movies are just – they all live like they're 25, going back to Josh's point. They spend all night out, they're constantly drinking, partying, and there's always one kid who's got a six thousand square foot mansion his parents aren't in, so they can have a party they invite 117 other kids to. And like I
1: said, their parent is an answering machine that occasionally yeah. will just leave a message every few days. <laughs> like, very,
2: very weird, It's just strange. It's like that I mean, and I grew up I grew up around a bunch of detached like trust fund babies even still like that's it's really weird your parents would just disappear like that fine anyway
0: so i think we learned pretty early that sarah is what they refer to as a natural witch she showcases her power in class she can make a pencil stand straight up steve
1: and then dig it into the desk she weighs the same as a duck
0: Oh god,
2: that's one of the best scenes in movie history. Um, yeah. I Wait, just... who are you? Who is so wise in the ways of science? <laughs> god, I love Monty Python. But yeah, that's what a weird thing to be doing in class. Like, do you want everyone else to see? She's actually making it like dig its way into the desk, and Nev Campbell somehow is the only other one who notices.
0: Okay, so this is gonna be a little bit of a tangenty episode. I think just a heads up. <laughs> I knew this fucking girl in middle school that believed or at least tried to sell to other people that she was a witch. Did you know people like this, Steve? Oh, my God. I knew a girl
2: who at 13 was 100% sincerely convinced that Santa Claus existed because her sister, who was older than us, had seen him in person. The real Santa. Um, yeah, and I knew a Tim couple.
1: Tim Allen? Of, Shut up. The real Santa?
2: Right. The real Santa. I mean, we were in seventh grade. No way. And she burst this out on the rest of us. And, and like, Santa's absolutely real. I'm convinced. And my sister saw him delivering gifts. And I'm like, your sister's 17. The fuck is wrong with the two of you? But yeah, and, and then I knew a couple other girls, like gothy girls, who really did... They, they definitely thought that they could... One girl in particular, holy shit, dude, yeah. She was really convinced all the way through high school and even into her 20s that she could cast love spells that would work and and all kinds of stuff. And she... I'm not even saying this to be mean about her, but she had one of the most pathetic lives I've ever known another human being to have. And it's like, if you had this much power, why would you let your life be this fucked up? Like, it was awful. Everything that could be wrong with this young woman's life was wrong. I'm like, you can, you tell me you can cast spills to fix all this and you, you don't. Damn. There's yeah. like some
0: escapism there. I it's kind
2: of like the Faruza Balt character. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, this girl that I knew in middle school, Tara. She had, like, witch books. Which, the funny thing is, in this movie, they go to, like, a witch store, which we'll talk about. But, like, back then, you you had to go to a Barnes & Noble. So, like, you know, she she went to a regular bookstore, I'm sure. And, like, she had a book. I think it was just called Teen Witch. And it had, like... Teen Witching for Dummies? A graphic on the cover of a teenage goth girl. And it said Teen Witch, which looked pretty cringe, but inside it was spells. So, like, inside it was more, like, Wiccan shit. But... She told my friend Isaac that she could cast a spell that would give him telekinesis. And he believed it, and he was waiting for this spell to happen. And I was the only logical <gasps> person in this group. And I was like, dude, there is no magic. You can't get telekinesis. If so she could do that, just think how many people she would have given it to, or herself. Or herself, And yeah. she would have demonstrated this power.
1: Let's call this guy up, see if it like eventually kicked in.
0: Well, here's the thing. She said it would happen on the next full moon, which was like three weeks away. I'm pretty sure he forgot, but I motherfucking remembered, and I brought this shit up. And I told her, I said, it's been a full moon. He can't do telekinesis. What's your fucking story now? And you know what she said? Hmm. Maybe it just wasn't meant to be, Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's always... It's like dealing with flat earthers. (laughs) It's not her fault. or, (laughs)
2: or, or, Or conspiracy theorists who think that some cabal of whoever is trying to take the world over, like... Anytime you bust them on a part of the conspiracy that turned out to definitely not be true, there's always some weird, evasive, totally illogical way to skirt it that only someone who is just knee deep in the delusion would ever believe. <laughs> yeah. And and there's a bunch of these books. The girls buy one in the in the movie that's a fictional book, but there's some real version of it I can't remember the name of that they they ate for the movie. It's supposed to have a bunch of spells and stuff in it. And yeah, I mean it's amazing how many how many psychics I see in LA? You drive up major boulevards, and there's a sign in front of someone's house. It's a psychic. You know, you just pull in. I'll do it in my living room. I'll give you a psychic reading.
0: Yeah. Or, you know, and it's like I was just at the fair, and I saw a psychic, and you know, she was right? sitting in front of her little booth, and she was like, "Do you want to know about your future?" And I was like, "I think I said something to the effect of." The future is going to be bad. I know that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. And it's like maybe some of them are just better than using their powers in that way. But I have a difficult time believing that all these people are genuinely psychic and none of them have used it to win the lottery.
1: Well, they're too busy conning parents with missing children. That's against the laws of magic.
2: It's against the laws of right. Yeah, it's not against the laws of magic to bilk ignorant people who just want you to tell them that the rest of their life's going to be amazing. But it is if you. Uh, They're you are a
0: bunch of Whoopi Goldbergs and ghosts. You know, <laughs> right?
2: right. I mean, that's really what I imagine most of the time. And and at which rate, I. How much do you have to delude yourself into believing that it's real to pay one of those people to give you a psychic reading that deep down you must know is bullshit?
0: You have to, right? You have that's to. That's the thing. I always wonder, like, do they? Really believe this, you know?
2: I I can't believe if they removed the filter, they would. I think that there's there's a way that these people put a filter in where that part of their brain just doesn't leach in. But if you pulled it, they they because there's no way you're thinking about it, right? You wouldn't pay that person if you were thinking about it. But yeah.
0: But the people selling these kind of services, they have to know they're full of shit, right?
1: Oh God, yeah. I mean, you got you must know you're a con artist, right? <laughs> like
0: in Alabama, we we just burn witches at the stake. So, <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Still. Like in your favorite movie, is it Silent Hill where they burn someone? Yes. God. Uh, that method of burning is fucked up, by the way.
1: Yeah. The, well, they oh, didn't God, burn yeah. her at the the stake. They like char roasted her over an open fire.
0: Yeah,
2: that's right. That's right. Josh, have you ever seen the original Wicker Man from the seventies?
1: I've seen bits and
2: pieces. Oh man, the the main character goes up. It's 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 uh, it's nasty.
1: Well, there weren't a bunch of CGI bees in it, so I couldn't get invested.
0: Oh god, that's not even in the Nick Cage one. That's the deleted scene. Yeah, it's
1: the unrated version.
2: I've never believed any of it as reality, but I have always been sincerely just academically fascinated with pre-Christian paganism and polytheism. And I, I find the religions themselves just academically very interesting. And that shit's pretty frightening, man.
1: Yeah, it's not so much like if I believe it, if somebody's crazy enough that they believe it, that they're willing to burn me in a giant 20-foot wicker <laughs> statue right. hollow man cage thing, uh, <laughs> th- yeah. that scares me more than their religion. They believe it. They're going to burn me. I mean, that's the scariest part, is these
2: people were willing to do that kind of thing anyway. The religion's just what gave them the excuse. Like, ugh.
0: But back into the movie, Steve, the goth trio, they kind of catch up with Sarah. Like At first, they're a little bit, maybe slightly rude to her, but they eventually talk to her, and they kind of offer to hang out, because they recognize that, she is a witch like them. And Sarah has been told that they're witches by other people in the school. By Skeet Ulrich,
2: Yeah, when the... Man, the three of the others are penned somewhat sympathetically during the first and into the second acts of the film, but it turns out all three of them are just like scumbags. They're all shitty. The only reason any of them are interested in her is because they want her power to make their spells work. And at the end of the film... Rochelle and Sarah underline that by Bonnie. Bonnie, there you go. But yeah, they recognize that she's a real witch. They've been trying to make stuff happen for a long time, and it's not happening. And they believe that. We're, well, uh, Bonnie believes early on that uh, adding her to the group will give them the power they need to, to actually make things happen. And their their goals early on are sympathetic. Bonnie's got some some what seems like burn scarring on her. She got Freddy Krueger back. Right? That she wants to make go away, which is a sympathetic thing. And she's, she's a teenage girl and she's getting teased about it. Rochelle is facing some discrimination, some racism really from some of her classmates and is being picked on because of it. She wants to fix that. And the Sarah character lives a shitty life in a trailer park with a sort of abusive stepfather. Nancy. And she wants a better life for herself and her mother. Although that 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 falls away pretty quickly, it becomes pretty obvious late as time goes on that she's just really somewhat understandably, but she's just really vindictive and mostly wants power that she can exercise against other people.
0: Maybe that's through years of abuse.
2: Yeah, yeah, it could be. I mean, I think to some degree,
0: when
1: Skeet Ulrich tells Sarah that they're witches, there's no immediate like snickers followed up by that. Like, <laughs> like come on, man, you can't say that with a straight face.
4: It's the bitches of Eastwick. What? Whatever you do, stay away from them. Why? Well, you see the one on the right? She's a major slut. I mean, I don't know from experience or anything, but... The one in the middle, she's got these burn scars all over her body. I haven't seen them, but friends of mine have. Anyway, they're... Nah, they're What? What? They're witches. Witches? Well, that's what people say.
2: I agree with you. They could have made that scene way better just by having her have more of a reaction. Although I guess the fact that she could do this magic stuff is why she wouldn't. But yeah, you'd think even to protect your own image that you'd you'd act in a more indiscriminate manner when told that these other three girls are witches.
1: I'd be like... <laughs> right?
2: Like, these serious? That's what I. I mean, we, I think most of us did. Anytime we really remember being seventeen, and if you ever switched schools or anything, or new people came in, and you, you were told, "Oh, so and so's a witch," you, it was always like, "Ah,
1: uh-huh, really? Uh, uh,
2: that's
1: stupid." <laughs> skeet, like, aren't you laughing? Do are, are you buying you this? That? Right. <laughs>
2: You know, of, of course, in this magical version of reality, it turns out witchcraft is real and these girls can make things happen.
1: Well, that's that's a coincidence.
2: There's a really, really hilarious spoof on this idea for a, an episode of uh, American Dad. The episode's called The Witches of East Langley. I, even if you're not interested in the show, it's a really funny episode.
0: <laughs>
1: Marshall, my good man. How's your day
0: going? Can I hook you guys up with some butterflies?
1: Dude, you have ten seconds to get the heck away from this table.
4: Mom- it's good. We're witches now. You know the old saying quarterbacks, witches, the rest be bitches. <laughs> All right, squeeze it in. Nothing wrong with a little thigh to thigh.
2: There aren't enough butterflies in the world to make you cool enough to sit with us. In fact, there's fewer and fewer butterflies every year, nerd.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so when the girls are hanging out, Steve, I think they go to what looks like maybe Hollywood Boulevard.
2: Yeah, yeah, they go to Hollywood Boulevard, and they go to a fake bookstore, and... um Well,
1: you can't buy spell books at a Books-A-Million,
2: Steve. Right? Um, it, no, it's really strange that, like, Panpipes Magical Marketplace is the one I, I... It was a real place that I mentioned earlier for that Fruza Balk owned for a while. It was a real bookstore in L.A., in Hollywood, that was designed for this kind of audience, and they could have just filmed it there...
0: I think the, the set of the store they go to is cool, though. Like they it's, did. They designed it really well.
2: Yeah. They used a strip of – there's chunks in that part of L.A., mostly near Broadway and near the historic core, where there were still a lot of buildings that were built anywhere from, like, 1890 to 1920, and a lot of them were in the adobo style. And uh, this this particular one was in Hollywood, but it's a really older one. And, yeah, they, they, they took it over and redressed it as the bookstore. And I do, I do really like it. They're – Corey, you might agree with this and josh maybe also like there was something a, a very lightly romanticized version of reality that they kind of nailed during the 80s or every or 90s i mean late 80s starting but stores like that were like it was real but in this way that was just slightly oh almost
1: fairy tale-esque
2: yeah, yeah, it's like, it's it's real, but it's slightly neater than real life. You know, it's real life, but more interesting. <laughs> like, I don't know how to put it, but yeah, it's it's really neat. I like that.
0: In the bookstore, I think one of them actually buys a book called The Craft.
2: Yeah, and that's the book I mentioned a moment, I was trying to allude to a few moments ago. There was a real, a real version of this that I can't remember the actual title of, and they were supposed to be buying a book of that, and they, they pitched it as being, like, a book of personal spells and... Teaches you all the rules to life, and you use it like a dream. How
1: to witch for dummies? Yeah, <laughs> right. I I took you note. Know, she spent fifty dollars in nineteen ninety six money for that book. Yeah. So there's the other thing is when the other <laughs> girls
2: invite Robin Tunney's character to go with them to the store. The, one of the first things she says to them is, "I have no money," and then she immediately spends fifty bucks in nineteen nineties dollars buying stuff at the store. It's like, well, you you clearly yeah, have. She money. has money. I've seen yeah. her house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she, uh, uh,
1: the plot gave her money.
2: Yeah, the plot gave her money just out of nowhere. She does live in
0: like a very old style LA home.
2: Yeah, she's, the exterior was a, was a real uh, mansion, I think, in the Hollywood Hills or Culver City or somewhere like that. Yeah, I mean, that that kind of home in that neighborhood, even in the 90s, would have been worth a lot of money.
1: What is it with these fucking movies where they open up, like, come into this, like, abandoned, like, house? It's, like, the size of a mansion. They're like, this dump?
2: Yeah, it, it's really <laughs> weird that, like... Yeah, you're right. A, it's always a, clearly a very beautiful home that just needs a little bit of maintenance. But, like, then two... These movies seem to imply, without ever explicitly saying so, that L.A. is somehow full of these, like, dilapidated mansions. And it's weird, like, most of them are not dilapidated. Even the ones from the 20s, like, you drive through Hancock Park where a lot of the mansions are from the 20s, very few of them would be in that kind of condition.
0: Right. You mean
2: (laughs)
1: everybody in L.A. doesn't live in the uh, the house from Casper? Right. Yeah, it's another one. Like, there are neighborhoods... With staff. In fact,
2: there's a... You guys might love this. There's a a neighborhood called Angelino Heights. It's way above Dodger Stadium in L.A. There's a street in there called Carroll Drive that's famous for having the last original collection of Victorian homes in Los Angeles. They're beautiful. Really expensive neighborhood. They've been filming clips for Fast and the Furious 10 up there. And last week, a bunch of the residents filed complaints with the city and with the police department because they're up there doing stunts and blowing shit up and making a bunch of noise. But yeah, I mean, you drive through these neighborhoods, it's like, it's so weird, you won't find a lot of, like, these, the, those the, those homes like it was in Casper, you might find a house that looks like that up there, but it's not going to look like it's been abandoned for a hundred years. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What if they, uh, the ghosts are in there, though? Well,
2: it's true, you know, some of those mansions just are lived in by ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, wait a second,
4: I have to talk to you. I had a dream about you.
3: Talk in my dream. You are dead No, I'm talking to you Come back child Come back to Jesus Don't seem
0: away the me. I am the door of the way I know what I'm talking about So on Hollywood Boulevard that hobo man shows up again mm-hmm. and kind of like starts chasing Sarah and I think this is where they realize that they have like a force connection between the three of them through their god Manon and I- they uh What they say is they, like, can make things happen. But basically, he just runs in the street and gets hit by a car.
2: See, that dude... That's the thing, like... It's so strange. They make it out like he's got this weird connection to him, but then his only real purpose for the entire film is just to be the first one they prove they've got power with, because they make a bus hit him.
1: (laughs) Poor (laughs) guy was just trying to sell a snake.
2: Like, the scene earlier where he showed up at the house totally unnecessary. We didn't need to have seen him before. He could have just been some homeless dude on Hollywood Boulevard who accosts something that gets hit by a bus.
1: No, he was just on set. That wasn't scripted. Right?
2: (laughs) You know what, man? In the nature of filming in L.A., you might be right.
0: That dummy did look pretty realistic. (laughs) I I made note of that, too. That dummy. That's like Mad Max looks at him and goes, He went under the wheels.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh
2: oh my God, I love Mad Max. (laughs)
1: Them explaining their God sounds like the, the most immatureish, childish thing ever. She's like, is it, like, God or Satan? No. No, it's way more powerful than that. It
4: hit him. The car hit him, and we made it happen. Oh, my maybe, God. Maybe, maybe not. Well, definitely. I thought to myself it's going to hit him. I thought it, too. Well, I thought it, too, but that did Sarah, did you, you think it? Yeah. Well, then that's it, you guys. Sarah's a fourth north, south, east, and west. We can make things happen. I mean, this is it. This is real. <laughs> Shit. You guys, this is really weird. <laughs> well, I mean, he was after you. He's gonna hurt you, man. It's not our fault. I mean, you guys, maybe he'll really listen now. Who? Mano. oh. What's that? That's like God? <laughs> no, man invented God. This is older than that. Hey, do, do you guys worship the devil? <laughs> <laughs> it's like God and the devil. I mean, it's everything. It's... It's the trees, it's the ground, it's the rocks, it's the moon, it's everything. It's nature. If God and the devil were playing football, Manol would be the stadium that they played on. It would be the sun that shone down on them.
2: The one thing I'll give them credit for, or I guess the two things, there's there's one little moment in their where she says, you know, our conception of God was invented by man, which which I think was a nice touch for those characters, even if it's not something audience members agree with on a personal basis, that, like, that is really the right view for a Wiccan. They sort of tried to have her talk about it in a way that, in a very theological, fantastic sense, kind of makes sense. It's sort of like the way they tried to retcon explaining the Force in the in the sequels, where, like, it's not some physical being it's 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 really like a living force
1: midichlorians yeah right the greatest plot point ever written well you know the midichlorians is the bad
2: version that's the version that makes no goddamn sense in this one it's more like what we're dealing with isn't isn't a deity it's not some bearded thing that lives in the clouds it's a living force that's intertwined with nature itself
1: if god and satan were playing football <laughs> right. no Would be the stadium they played upon.
0: How are two people gonna play football against each other?
2: That that analogy is the part I found the most bothersome. What a ridiculous, cumbersome over the top analogy. What are the
0: rules of two people playing football? And
2: also you started off by saying that God and Satan are deities that human beings invented. So why would the two of them be playing football in a stadium created by Look, you (laughs) just stop stop asking
1: questions?
2: (laughs) Like but yeah, like she starts off explaining it in a way that I think works well for that belief system but yeah it's it's a little cumbersome and goofy for sure and she's way over enthusiastic about it
1: my god's better than your god right
2: I'm not even saying Farouza Balk's a bad actress because I don't think she is but she 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 does that mood in almost every part she plays it's just like that's her so do you need a character to act like that is it between the years 1990 and 1998 cast Farouza Balk <laughs> <laughs> if like...
4: you can do that Have you ever heard of invoking the spirit? No. That's when you call him. Manon. It's like... It's like you take him into you. It's like he fills you. He takes everything that's gone wrong in your life, and he makes it all better again
1: she's relishing this part so much that she just used it in other performances oh god yeah I think this is the closest
2: to her in real life of any of the parts she ever played maybe this in the little girl character she played in Return to
0: Oz I fucking love her in this movie she is so fucking crazy I, I, in that respect
2: I totally agree with you it's not even a matter of disliking or otherwise but yeah I think she for this part
0: was clearly the right choice and she she really had the, the right look for it <laughs> yeah and she's super gothed out, more so than the others. Like she's more she is. she's more into the goth culture than the others, I, I think.
2: I wish the others had been a little bit a little bit more like her in that respect. She's the only one in that group that I actually buy would be the type of person who's really interested in this.
0: The thing is, like the other girls aren't that goth, right? Like yeah. Bonnie wears a lot of clothes and she's burned up, so she wants to hide her body. Yeah. Trying to hide that Freddy Krueger back. And her hair is super greasy at the beginning of the movie, right. and that kind of makes her seem a little bit like that. Like, I, I kind of have remembered girls like that from my younger days in high school that looked like that. You know, they were covered up in tons of coats, and they had their hair in their face. Right. Rochelle's just a regular girl. She's just an athlete. Like yeah. She's on the swim team or the high dive, whatever the fuck. I mean, she has to deal with some shit, but yeah. she, for the most part, she's a regular girl.
1: The witch is a side gig kind of thing. She was the one I found the least
2: believable as part of that group. And I'm not criticizing her performance at all. This isn't an, an acting issue. No, but, she's, she's good. But uh, yeah, she's, she's she's actually very pretty. And she's got more of that, like, unicorns and bubblegum type girly persona to me. I don't really buy her as, as the gothy type. And you're right, her big motivation is really to stop being picked on which is a sympathetic plot point and and i actually found myself feeling genuinely bad for that character in fact she's the only one in the whole group i actually genuinely felt bad for but um even still she just doesn't seem like she belongs with the rest of them
1: she's just getting picked on so hard that she's willing to sell her soul to a deity (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) right
0: well she's getting picked on pretty hard she is
2: she is it's kind of brutal and it's in a way that i find difficult to believe none of the adults would intervene with, because at some point you got to realize what's going on here. This is way more than just these two girls don't like each other. Like, one of them's just a piece of shit.
0: She's racist, right? Yeah, Yeah. she's a
2: hardcore racist, and at one point when Rochelle approaches her, this is the scene I was alluding to earlier, Rochelle approaches her in the girls' locker room and is like, look, what is your problem? Why do you dislike me this much? And The other character, and I'm only repeating the character's line, but the other character looks at her and says, I don't like... and especially as a teenager, I was like, holy shit, what a horrific thing to hear. Like that's that's like the worst kind of human being.
0: I just want to say that even though I censored what Steve just said, he did not say the N-word. No,
2: no, it really wasn't. Honest to God. And I, I don't I wouldn't even repeat that word if it had been used in a line. I won't I won't say it. Yeah.
0: But uh just for YouTube, I probably have to censor that. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, and I I'm glad you will, <laughs> yeah. honestly. Like even that quasi-softer version of it. I don't like it coming out of my mouth. I, that's, I, I hate that, that word.
4: Oh, God, look. There is a pubic hair in my brush. Oh, no, wait, wait. That's just one of Rochelle's little nappy hairs. <laughs> why are you doing this to me, Laura? Do you think you're funny? You really want to know why? Yes, I really want to know why. Because I don't like Negroids. Sorry.
0: So yeah, her dilemma is is racism. And in a deleted scene, they say more or less that she's the only black girl in school.
2: Yeah, and it's, I don't mean this as a way to pump up my own background, but I think that might be one area where I can sort of appreciate, because I went to schools where there was like one or two, black kids in, in the whole class, in the whole school. And I was friendly with a lot of them, but I could appreciate how fucking awkward that's got to be. Yeah. And, and one of them who I keep in contact with had even in adulthood has said like, nobody did anything to me. They weren't mistreated, but like it, it was an awkward experience. And I can appreciate how, how uncomfortable that might make a teenager, especially, I mean, especially well you're 16, 17, you spend half your time feeling awkward and out of place anyway. You're constantly worried about something you say or do getting you made fun of or extradited from your social group. True. You know, and like if you're if you're extra different, that just adds to the the shittiness of it.
0: I like to imagine that Josh kind of dressed like Nancy in high school. Maybe <laughs> maybe like a male version. Am I off base, Josh? You're not you're not completely wrong. <laughs> no offense. Josh was JP from Grandma's Boy. <laughs> Maybe not like Matrixy, but no. the thing is about Nancy Ferruzabal is that being goth is not cheap. No, it's an expensive fashion style. The piercings alone cost a fortune. And they do. <laughs> they do. But like all the, the makeup and the, the special oh, yeah. accessories that you have with like the spikes and the collars and then the clothes themselves, which yeah. are more expensive than just regular clothes. I mean, she's a poor, I guess they allude to a white trash girl, you know? Yeah, trailer girl. But I don't know, man. I don't think that she'd be able to afford all that at this point in the story. No,
2: it, it does seem like it would be a stretch for her to be wearing it. In fact, I think that's one area they could have done a lot nice detailed touch with her. Like I, I knew kids from that kind of background growing up who were into things like, like goth or or like punk. And, you know, and I actually, I dug it. I'm not saying it to be insulting anybody, but a lot of these kids were the types that were clever enough that they'd, they'd go to like Salvation Armies or, or vintage clothing stores and they'd find like, like punk rock t-shirts and stuff and old torn up jeans that went with the look that they could get for less money. And it was, it, it was cool. I mean, I guess in LA there's a lot of those kinds of stores um, but was a,
0: before Hot Topic, they were harder to find. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, this and, is a movie before Hot Topic. Oh
2: yeah, I mean, yeah. These kids were, were looking for their stuff at like vintage clothing stores and 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 donation There centers were some yeah. like
0: goth stores too in Hollywood, but there they were, were not like very common. And yeah, I, I guess another thing I didn't really consider is that she probably did steal a lot of shit.
2: Yeah, I mean, she does tell the, the new girl at one point that they they just steal everything they want from the magic shop.
0: Everything in nature steals, Steve.
4: Sarah. What? Put this in your bag. No. (gasps) Everything in nature steals, you know. Big animals steal from little ones. They steal for survival. These sons already have a diary. This is different. You put spells and power thoughts in it, and then you don't let anyone else read it. Ever. Except maybe us.
2: That was just a ridiculous thing to say.
0: It's not not (laughs) at all true. Can you tell me a wombat steals things? Yeah, well, I mean, even if
2: a wombat... There's no ownership in nature. The other wombats don't own the fruit. So, like, what are you
1: stealing from? What what even is a wombat? (laughs) I think it's a type of marsupial. Look, nature steals. Now, don't give me shit. Let me get this Butterfinger. Put this Butterfinger in your pocket, Steve. Right? Yeah, I mean,
2: everything... is What a ridiculous thing. That is the kind of thing a teenager who just wanted to justify stealing would probably say. But it's stupid.
0: <laughs> Bonnie's uh, medical procedures to remove her scars is like a... It's like a medieval torture simulator, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like a tattoo gun designed to do
2: nothing but hurt you. <laughs> I'm not sure I really understand why they think stabbing burn marks
1: with needles would, would heal them. What's but the medical science behind this? Yeah, exactly. Can
2: we touch on the science behind this concept for a minute? Because that's really we my No, 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 no.
1: We ain't got time for that. Just just let right. the, the, the needle mech- mechanism... Pierce her her scarred back.
2: It's another one of these '90s movie tropes. We talked about it with Face Off and the facing swap. And there's there's always some strange experimental type medical thing that looks kind of neat, but makes no sense.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's the '90s, Steve. It's right around it, the corner. And,
2: and, and I mean, and I this is a decade I can't even express how much I love the '90s. The goofiness is just part of what made it so great. But goddamn, I mean, what a tropey decade.
0: Josh, maybe you can tell us about Sarah and her relationship with Chris.
1: Okay, so Chris is the, the hot young athlete of the school. He's like the quarterback or some shit. It doesn't matter. All the girls want him. All the guys want to be him. Uh, <laughs> Presumably. Presu- Breck and Meyer definitely wants to be him. So
2: <laughs> There's always one of these two. They did the same thing in Buffy. Same thing in Buffy. There's the character who's dating Buffy, and then he's got the goofy friend who's like, can I borrow her? You know? Oh
0: <laughs> god. And it's even the same goofy friend, I think. Rick yeah. and Meyer's little friend is in Buffy. <laughs> yes. Anyway, go on, John.
1: <gasps> so Skeet and what's her Robin, Sarah, doesn't matter. Go out on a little little date. It's fine. Things are fine. They they kiss a little bit, but it's time for Sarah to go home. Next day, nah, dude. Skeet tells everyone I banged that bitch like seven ways till Sunday.
4: So hot stuff. How'd it go? Had one go. Your date with Chris. What are you talking about? Chris already told everybody. He told everybody what? That you guys did it, But we didn't do it. Well, maybe he was just trying to save face then. Because he was going around the whole school saying that you're the lousiest lay he's ever had. And coming from him, is pretty bad.
2: She rejects him softly. He takes it. She's clearly interested in going out with him again. So... The character could just... Hurt his ego just, too much, Steve. Yeah, exactly. That's the weird... They they wrote this character to be such a crazy prick, but this is part of where it gets even worse. No one tell, turns Chris down, goddammit. It, well, I mean, that's the... That's... I think, frankly really strange because at 17 even if she turns you down the first time if it seems like you like each other and you've got a shot just, just keep seeing
0: her right that was you know? my thought process exactly in a
2: few weeks she'll eventually be okay <laughs> yeah. and and you guys can do whatever you're well on the way sir you're, well, you're right you know so what you didn't get it this time you'll get it in three dates from now like
1: well, he's got too many women to deal with he ain't got time if you ain't putting out
2: he's moving on Yeah, well, if, so that I could understand too because I knew some guys kind of like that too like if I can't get it on the first date then I'm just going to some other chick who will on the first date. But he doesn't even do that. He goes to school the next day, tells everybody banged her seven ways to Sunday and that she was the worst lay he ever had, which is a weird thing for a 17-year-old to be saying. Like, all your lays, even if you had more than 10 of them, like, all your lays at this point have been teenage girls, so none of them are going to be that great. Like, you can say that when you're when you're older. But uh, he goes to school the next day, tells everyone she was awful Her reaction to it, instead of being angry, is to try to like approach him and say, hey, I wasn't real happy that you did that. And then she proceeds to spend a chunk of the rest of the story trying to get him to actually like her. What the fuck is wrong with this girl? It's the ultimate revenge to you. It's, it, well, you go out on one date with this guy. You tell him I won't screw you. His response is to go to school the next day and to tell everybody that you're a whore and that you're bad in bed. And your reaction is, hey, I didn't like it when you did that, but do you want to go on some more dates with me?
1: You're right. She should have cast the spell on Breck and Meyer. Yeah, so then she
2: tries to use her magic to get him to like her. What? What part of what this dude did to you made you want to keep seeing him? I don't understand. Because girls just want a guy, Steve. A guy wrote this script, I'm sure. I, well, I'm, I'm sure you're right. But then that was the most – one of the most unintentionally misogynistic things that's ever been written into a script. I mean because – She should have just
0: turned him into a newt. Right. <laughs> yeah,
2: see, well, I mean that's that's <laughs> He'll get better. Right. Well, that's another element to it though. That's the weirdest part is like they get to the point – One of them wants to make her home life better. One of them wants to stop being bullied. One of them wants to make her burn marks go away. The fourth one's decided that a boy who's been verbally abusive to
0: her should go on on more dates with her. What? What? It's her form of torturing him. You say that like it's a problem.
2: (laughs) Right? I think the one of them has way less motivation than the others
1: it's really strange what, what is it like the superwoman superwoman movie from like the 80s where like the villain oh, is god. trying to take over the world but also trying to find a man
0: yes supergirl supergirl, supergirl that's, that's
2: right. right I'd forgotten they made that oh fuck what was that actress's name god anyway different topic she's dead it's, I'm sure <laughs> <laughs>
0: So the girls start to spend more time together and they, you know, they become friends, I think, for the most part on a genuine basis. Nancy's always kind of a little bit of a bitch, but that's yeah. just her personality. Yeah, it's kind of the character. Well,
1: I mean, once you drink each other's blood, you're you're bonded for life. True, yes. Yeah, I
2: drink of my sisters.
1: <laughs> they all ask for, like, rad superpowers.
4: I drink of my sisters and I ask for the ability to not hate those who hate me, especially racist pieces of bleach blonde shit like Laura Lizzie. (laughs) Right on. I drink of my sisters and I ask to love myself more and to allow myself to be loved more by others, especially Chris (laughs) (laughs) Tucker. I know, it's pathetic, (laughs) it's definitely pathetic. I drink of my sisters, and I take into myself the power to be beautiful, outside as well as in. I drink of my sisters, and I take into myself... ...all the power of my That's all?
0: They have a sleepover at one point, and they play light as a feather, stiff as a board. And now going back to my own personal story with that girl I knew in middle school, Tara, I realized that a lot of the stuff she said she just lifted from this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Because she described light as a feather, stiff as a board to me before I had ever seen the craft. Right. And she described it as a real, like, magic practice. Dude, I think that that
2: must just be a thing for, like, just pre-adolescent kids. Because it wasn't the same lie, but I experienced roughly the same situation with a lot of other kids between the ages of like 10 and 12 where they made up some kind of lie. And I discovered later on that it was obviously something they'd seen in a particular movie or TV show and that they thought was so cool they wanted other kids to think they were doing it. So they'd just go to school and say, oh, I, yeah, I've been doing that.
1: <laughs> yeah, like a, a robot from the future – Got sent to, like, kill me and my mom. It was a whole adventure. They just go with Terminator. Right? <laughs> yeah, <you're an> adventure <laughs> it
0: was a robot, obvious. all right?
2: You know, I like I, I remember one kid telling people that uh, at 12, he was so good on the guitar that like, John Bon Jovi's agent had called him and asked if he wanted to tour with the band.
3: You know, it's like
2: it's a whole bunch of weird shit like that. One kid right after Angels in the Outfield was telling a bunch of our, our, our classmates that the professional baseball team had actually asked him to audition for them mm-hmm. or, or practice for it, something at training camp. Like, I
0: think he might have seen Rookie of the Year. Yeah, actually. that's
2: that's the one I'm thinking yeah. of. I always you know what you're right, Angels in the Outfield has the actual Angels. For some reason in my head, if I'm not thinking about it, I conflate the two of them. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. <laughs>
4: stiff a
0: Josh, did you ever do anything with your friends like high school sleepovers like light as a feather, stiff as a board, or anything like that? Like did you try to play Ouija or anything? We just got stoned.
1: Yeah, stoned and played video games, no. Dude, sleepovers are so much simpler. I mean, we did drink each other's blood, but that was for a different reason. It wasn't a ritual.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, you bite your friend, you suck a little
0: out, you move on with your evening. Suck me, bro. Come
1: on,
2: just for a little bit. That's how I leave a party is the moment I hear that that phrase. Yeah. Yeah. You guys want to, like, suck each other? Uh, You know what? No judgment, but I am leaving. <laughs>
0: I got a little thing going on downtown. I yeah, gotta- <laughs> you know, I
1: gotta be somewhere else. Time to hit the old dusty trail.
0: So my friend Ryer, who was on a few podcasts, he was on the In the Army Now podcast and the Weird Science podcast we did. He's my friend in North Carolina. I used to spend a lot of weekends at his house, and I don't know where this came from, but one night we got the bright idea to make each other pass out. We, <laughs> we heard somewhere, you can make a person sleeper hold? pass out, but not by a sleeper hold. That would have been fucked up. <laughs> but like You hold your breath, and then the oh. other person- pushes on your solar plexus. Yeah. Like swiftly and hard and you pass out. Yeah. And we did it and it worked. And we stayed up like for like four hours, like late into the night. We might have stayed up the whole night, just making each other pass out because it was like a form of
2: Jesus Corey. It was like
0: a form of getting high. And I'm pretty sure we did like irreparable brain damage that day. You might have. <laughs> I've never been the same since, really. I,
2: I, oh my god, yeah, I, I, I almost drowned twice. I'm pretty sure I'm, I am the way I am, partly because of the asphyxiation.
0: But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I think he, I think we were just making each other like lose oxygen enough to like you pass out for like two seconds, but yeah. you were in like a weird dream state. It was like you were high.
2: It's fucked up if you deprive your brain from oxygen, even for a few seconds. Yeah, you get that weird, dazed kind of stone feeling. Anyway,
0: it was it was cool.
2: <laughs> right? Yeah, it's fine. You know, again, it's better than sucking on the compressed air cans. I knew kids were doing that too.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so, another thing.
2: Well, you know, and that one's actually, from an adult's perspective, kind of frightening because one shot is enough to kill you. And kids often don't realize that. Like it's it's kind of like doing heroin in that in that sense, or any other really hard drug. Like if you inhale enough of it in one blast, the one blast can just kill you. And like kids think it's this totally innocuous thing. I'm just sucking like taking helium out of a balloon. You know, I'm just sucking on this
0: can. It makes me feel
2: stupid. But
0: the reality is, you can kill yourself. <laughs> like this dude in rehab told me something that was probably a lie. So keep that in mind. Hmm. I never tested this, of course, but he said. That if you don't have any drugs, you can shoot up boiling hot water.
2: Oh fuck no, no no. That's look. When my mom told me once in the seventies, when she was younger, there was the one of the big ones was that you could scrape the inside out of a banana peel and smoke it. <laughs> and it's totally untrue. Yeah. But yeah, injecting boiling water, by the way, sounds like a way to kill yourself. <laughs> I mean, if the boiling water part doesn't do it, the fact that you're diluting your blood by that much would. In fact, I know for an absolute fact, I don't know what the number is, but there's a limit to how much water you can drink in an hour because it'll dilute the so- or the, the conductivity in your, your system to the point where your your nervous system can't send impulses around and you will pass out and die. So like, I think that would probably kill you.
0: Another old myth was you put toothpaste on orange peels (laughs) and then you let them rot and then you eat them and it's supposed to make you hallucinate like like an acid trip so we tried that and it didn't work at all there's no way that's gonna work if you're gonna
2: it doesn't it gets you drunk not stoned but if you're gonna do that you may as well leave fruit in a in a sealed container just let it ferment you can just drink the fermented fruit you'll get drunk off your ass sure
1: yeah (laughs) i've written all these down i'm gonna try this
3: right
2: Well, recreational weed's legal in California. I don't need to do any of that Sorry, shit.
0: Josh. Yeah, it's still,
1: still the death penalty here, unfortunately. Yeah,
0: you get the chair. Yeah, the <laughs> underdeveloped world. Alabama is basically a third world country. Yes. It's kind of frightening
2: how much different the U.S. gets when you go between states. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So the girls, they they spend some time together. There's kind of like some girl power montages in this, which girls get it done, Corey. They do get it done. This movie might be called woke if it were made today, <laughs> debatably. I don't know. You, it might be. You might be right. But like I, I think like the feminism aspect of this movie plays really well. I agree with you. I don't feel like this is one of
2: those ones where it's trying to like overdo it and shove it at you. It's just these these are chicks that can do their own shit. Right. You know?
1: Well, this is the Lost Boys, but for the the girl crowd.
0: Let, let's, let's not overdo Lost Boys comparisons,
1: <laughs> but yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, they do some more spells, Steve. They cast a spell against Laura, who's Christine Taylor.
2: Yeah, I mean, she's, she does deserve it, if we're being frank. Like, they, they shouldn't have done it, because they get warned anything you do to someone else is going to come back two times three. And... I don't believe in it as a literal concept, but I, as a sort of guideline, I think con- karma's kind of a real thing in the sense that, like, if you spend all your time acting like a dickhead, eventually it's probably gonna come back to you. And, like, so they get warned, and uh, they do it to her anyway, and, and she kind of deserves it. She starts going bald. In, she's, like, in a gross way. In a Is gross it- way, yeah. She gets, like, welts on her scalp. Yeah. It's, it's like, she's got some kind of horrible, like, leprosy or something that's making her lose her hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Josh, how does it go with Bonnie Nev Campbell?
1: She goes back to the the torture rack where they're going to like stab her repeatedly with the needle again.
2: For some reason. For some
0: reason, it's fucking science,
2: bitch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because science, shut up, bitch.
0: That is verbatim what the doctor said to me. Yeah. <laughs> Who greenlit this? It was fucking Jesse from Breaking Bad. <laughs> Where did you get this from
1: the black market? Right. Um, uh, I guess uh, the costume department forgot to super glue the Freddy Krueger back to <laughs> Neve Campbell because it just starts to peel right off. Uh. And now it's just part of her character
0: development, I guess. It works, though, right? She ha- kind of has like the makeover moment where she comes to class looking all hot, like with showing cleavage and I guess showing more skin. Yeah. The way I remember that from a kid is I remember her coming in with like a uh, a spaghetti strap top, but it's not really that. It's just kind of like a low cut shirt. Yeah,
2: with a little bit of shoulder exposed and a little bit of back.
1: When they're invoking the spirit for Manos in the Hands of Fate, Manos. like like <laughs> Nev Campbell asked for, you know, creamy, beautiful skin, like like in a commercial. Rochelle just wants to not be bullied. And then Nancy, it's, it's like a twelve year old. Just like I want to be powerful. I want to be the most powerful of all of you. Yeah,
2: that's that's exactly what I was getting at earlier. I agree with you completely. It's it's. And then
1: like, she becomes a Highlander and gets struck by lightning.
2: Right, like she she immediately jumps from something kind of understandable to to I just want raw power. Like the the other three of them, Nev Campbell, Veruza Balk, and, and Rachel True. Just the moment they get what they were after to begin with, immediately, immediately just become pieces of shit.
1: <laughs> Nasty little bitches. Right? The three of you should be the exact
2: opposite of this. The whole reason you wanted these powers in the first place is because you've all been like victims of life to some degree. And and instead of taking that to heart, you the moment you fixed your initial problem, you're like, well... I can just be a total piece of shit now.
1: No, you use magic to cheat your way to the top, and then you kick the fucking ladder down. Yeah, you know, and they've all been warned. The, that woman warned them specifically. It's going to come
2: back to you times three. And they were just like, "Fuck you, bitch." That woman, Aunt Maharet. Yes, Aunt Maharet. That is that is the same woman, isn't it? I don't know, but, but she it, looks a lot it like it. Very much reminds me of Aunt Maharet. <laughs> okay, yeah. Either it's the same actress. Or the two of them look a lot alike.
4: Yeah. <laughs> When are we going to find out what's behind the curtain? Yeah, what are you doing back there? Are you hiding all the missing kids from the neighborhood? <laughs> what's their black magic?
3: True magic is neither
0: black nor white. It's both because nature is both, loving and cruel, all at the same time. <laughs> the only good or bad is in the heart of the witch. Life keeps a balance on its own. You understand? Not really. Well, then understand this. Whatever you send out, you get back times three. Wait, we didn't read that in any book. No, it's part of a basic spiritual truth. said in many ways, in many faiths. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you.
1: Well, that the shopkeeper is old and grody. And two that rule about the treating other whatever, it wasn't in any of the books that we stole.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: yeah, I mean, she's like, that wasn't in any of the books, and that, which seems weird to me because I remember, in fact, OK, that's one thing. I remember several people I knew who were genuinely and sincerely into Wicca when we were in high school. Expressing that that really something similar to that anyway really was a concept within Wiccan. I I don't remember any of them specifically saying times three but I do remember one of my most devout Wiccan friends telling me that like you weren't supposed to use things like love spells to make people love you or hate spells to get revenge because eventually it would come back on you. You know, and, and like that it, weird. That That's these, a good
0: out of why you can't do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I could do it, but, I, you know, it's right. not. it's against the rules to do it. And, so. I, and I
2: totally agree with you about that. Absolutely. It's one of those cover all things. But you, you'd think that at least conceptually that the three girls that were that into it would have had something similar to that.
1: I, I find it funny when they go to buy the books. The shopkeepers, you know, this book is very dangerous. Why are you selling it, lady?
2: Yeah, why is it on the store shelf? And
1: it's also on sale. Well, if you didn't know what you were doing with witchcraft, then I could sell it to you. But you're you're clearly very well learned in the ways of the witch.
2: Dude, and that's another one, even in movies that I like. Like, Gizmo wasn't for sale, and then somehow the guy ends up with Gizmo.
0: Because they're a little fucking kid. Yeah. Yeah,
2: because yeah, the kid sells it to him. You know, they always somehow end up with something they're not supposed to have. There's even a joke about that in, a, in an episode of American Dad. Roger decides to open a curio shop that just sells funny books about witchcraft and stuff. And when the boys... Actually, it's the same episode I mentioned earlier. I forgot <laughs> about that.
0: Ones, yeah. You only got the one. <laughs> I've only
1: seen the one episode of American Dad.
2: I for, literally did forget they were the same episode, but... It's an it's almost like they spoofed this movie for that one, is they go into the shop and they ask for the book, and Roger's response is oh no, that book's not for sale. Yeah. You, you, you can't have that one. It's too powerful.
3: <laughs> it's too
2: powerful. And, and they they ask the same thing. They're like, then why is it out? You know? Dude, this is a
1: copy of the haunted mask. Come on. Right?
2: Like you've got <laughs> That's the, nec- the
1: most powerful fucking book right
2: there, bitch. <laughs> like you've got the Necronomicon. Oh, we should do Evil Dead. We should. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Steve, Nancy does kind of get her wish in the beginning with her family life because I think off screen she casts a spell to not be white trashed. And the result of that is her kind of evil stepfather dying of a heart attack and then her and her mom getting a big insurance payout.
2: Yeah, the two of them get something like 175 grand. It's a
1: lot of money in 1996, Steve.
2: Well, see, that's, that's the thing. Like, it, it, it is. And I'm not saying it's not a lot of money to get all at once, especially if you're used to being. Trailer park broke, and I don't mean that as a not. You can get a mansion
1: and still have like seventy five k still left over.
2: That's that's the part. The rules with money in movies in general, but especially nineties movies, never make sense. We always go back to blank check where we the do. kid the kid gets a million dollar check and then proceeds to buy like three million dollars worth of stuff. Mm-hmm. They get one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars and somehow they, they've got a, they've got a condo like in the on in West LA in the Wilshire corridor that must be worth seven hundred grand, and they've got jukeboxes and furniture and brand new clothing. It's like, yo... You guys needed a money management lesson before you started spending that money because um, you've already blown all of it. You can't afford to pay the rest of your bills.
0: This is what happens when broke people get money. That, exactly.
2: I'm sorry. I know that sounds mean, but it's true. And it's like the mom doesn't even work. It's like yo, you can't get 175 grand and then blow 175 grand <laughs> and assume that your financial problems are over. You, you're going to have continued costs associated with this. Smoking
1: cigarettes pays the bills.
2: Yeah, apparently that's how you do it. And if that woman does has a, have a job, given how cliche a lot of this is, she's probably some surly waitress at a <laughs> oh diner God, that's somewhere. What I was gonna say, right? Well, you know, so You like, great. You've now blown all the money you inherited.
0: <laughs> Where is it that they live?
2: Yeah, see, that's that's another one. I don't, they're constantly bouncing back and forth between. Like I, I swear to God, that building is in, is is somewhere in Westwood. My grandparents, my mom's parents lived in a condo in the Wilshire Corridor on on Wilshire Boulevard in Brentwood. And I swear to God, that building is on the same block. And and they would have been less expensive in the late 90s. But I can tell you the the least expensive unit in any of those buildings now is over two million bucks. So
1: they spent 25K tops. They still got a lot of money. (laughs)
2: <laughs> right. So like even in the 90s, all right, fine, figure that condo was worth six, seven hundred grand instead of two million. But, you know, you, yeah, 175 grand is
0: not going to cover buying all of this. I'll say this. I am a fan of how Nancy spends her money in terms of her clothes because yes. she looks great. She does look great. and <laughs> right? She bought a whole Hot Topic.
1: <laughs> right? Oh, man.
4: Hail to the Guardians of the Watchtowers of the East. Powers of air and invention. Hear me. Us. Hear us. Hail to the Guardians of the Watchtowers of the South. Powers of fire and feeling. Hear us. Hail to the Guardians of the Watchtowers of the West. Powers of water and intuition. Hear us. Hail to the Guardians of the Watchtowers of the North, by the powers of Mother and Earth. Hear us. Aid us in our magical working on this May's Eve. Serpent of old! Ruler of deep. Guardian of the bitter sea. Show us your glory. Show us your power! We pray of thee. We pray of thee. We invoke thee!
0: So things start to change in the story when they do the invocation of the spirit, right? So they, they go to the beach, Josh. And they really go deep in this particular spell, don't they?
1: Yes, they go very deep. Mano, Mano, Mano it doesn't matter. <laughs> Mayo. Yeah, mayonnaise. <laughs> mayonnaise. This is where you let him inside of you, and <laughs> this is where he comes unto you, and other
0: euphemisms.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: uh.
0: Yeah, Mano well, is kind of a perv. Yes. Yes, he is, he's
2: just out for underage girls mostly. I mean, you know, underage girls who are actually almost 30, but still.
3: Yeah,
1: they're, they're well over 18. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, like, summon him, and he's immediately asked for the driver's licenses. <laughs> what? No, uh, so they invoke him, and then he, he zaps Nancy with some lightning powers, turning her into the Highlander. I was thinking of powder,
0: but, yeah, <laughs> so that
1: works too. Oh, God, that movie. <laughs> the girls wake up the next morning. It's, like, all comedic. Like, they just what, fell asleep there on the beach? You see, this is another one
2: of them. Like, how do you... How does these groups... They keep disappearing. Nobody's parents notices them and gone all night. Like, I could have done it for a while, but eventually, seven, eight, nine in the morning, one of my parents would have gotten up and noticed I hadn't come home. Like, and it would have been a problem. It's so comedic. They're like, as they're getting up... Did did it work? Oh, this... (laughs) This part is insanely stupid. I'm sorry. It's really like, even with everything else, the only part of the movie I was like, this is the dumbest thing.
1: Are you referring to Nancy's morning stroll on the water? I am. Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> she's now Jesus. She's now Jesus. Okay. Well, boy, I I, had, I, I was even thinking about the part after that. All right. So, so for starters, um, she's Jesus. She can walk on water. The others wake up to see her literally walking on the ocean.
1: She's like rubbing it in their face. Like I asked for more power than you guys. And he gave it to me. He gave it to me. Like, which doesn't make sense. Why would a
2: God give a person that kind of power? But then worst walking on water effect in history. Like it doesn't look even remotely real. And also she like, it's one thing if you're walking on a lake and it's supposed to be flat, at least or still, but like she's walking on the ocean. There's all these ripples and waves. She never moves. They don't even, Corey will know what I mean, when when Lucas stuck Jabba into episode four. Here they, we go. They, they realized the first time they did it that Han was walking over Jabba's tail. Oh my and god. And you couldn't tell. So they tried to fix it by re-editing the scene in a way where Han gets like lifted in the air mysteriously. It's
1: barely noticeable, Steve.
0: It's
2: well, always he, yeah, he just, steps on his tail. It, it I mean, tries to step on his tail. Yeah, they make it so you stepping on his tail, but the effect of it just looks terrible. I mean, it's especially offensive from from
1: the owner and creator of ILM. But it looks better than Han Solo's head, like awkwardly jolting to the side during the Greedo scene. <laughs>
2: You're right, but yeah, like this is this is on that level bad, and they didn't even bother doing that. Like she should have been moving a little with the water. It looks awful. It is a really cheap effect.
1: And I guess they killed all of the sea life, and Nancy yes! is just tickled to death by it. Yes, yeah, so this is.
2: An, as soon as she's done walking on water, they walk across around a little uh, embankment in the sand or something that's been blocking their view. And there's the, there's a line of sharks on the beach, including hammerheads, which, by the way, I don't even think live in the waters around here. But there's this line of like dead sharks on the beach, and she's like, "It's a gift for me." The way it's shot,
1: she's having her morning stroll on the water about like out 20, 30 yards out. And then they turn like five feet around this corner, and there are all these like, all the, the citizens along the beach didn't see the little goth girl walking on the water. It is weird. Like, you can see it from that angle. <laughs> Somebody else
2: should have seen her walking on the water. Why did this god kill a bunch of sharks for you? Like, what are you going to do with a bunch of dead sharks? Is she, like, the world's biggest eater of shark meat? Is that what's going to happen? she going to take this home in her brand new apartment? It's got, like, three freezers filled with, like, like hammerhead meat? Because it's metal as fuck, Steve. (laughs) Like, I don't... Why would he do that? Like, God's gift to me is a bunch of dead animals. His creations, by the way, that he's supposed to love.
4: Look at this.
1: That had nothing to do with the ritual. Manos just thought it was personal.
0: It's not God. He's the football field. <laughs> yeah, he's the football field. So Mr. Football Field on. <laughs> Mr. Football Field. Why would a football field want dead sharks?
2: Right? <laughs> he just really fucking hates sharks. So this God gave me a bunch of totally unnecessary power, made me way more powerful than I should be. A God which, by the way, probably should have known that I was going to abuse the power I've been given.
1: It's like two days later. He's like, I, sh- I should have thought that through. Yeah, boy,
2: I was really drunk when I slept. Later, <laughs> um, then the, 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 the addendum to this gift of unnecessary power is a bunch of dead sea life. I don't, I, at this point I was like, I officially don't understand what the fuck is even going on anymore. Cause <laughs> witchcraft, Steve. Yeah. Because witchcraft, that's just going to have to be the answer for all of this because witchcraft.
1: That explains all of the logic in the last whatever of this film from this point on.
2: I gotta tell you, it had been a few years since I sat through it, and I've got this really... I didn't dislike it, but I've got this really endearing memory of this movie, and this this watch row, I started asking myself why.
0: Anyway. (laughs) There's some friction that starts to form in the group, especially after Nancy becomes like all-powerful, and now she's also rich, but Sarah is not really on board with some of the decisions that Nancy is making.
1: Like, Bonnie and Rochelle make, like, one or two comments here and there, and she's just like, you guys aren't the same anymore. You guys sold out instantly. And she's right, though. I mean, she coincidentally, she is right, but it's like they've done very little to 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 justify this kind of scene, you know?
0: They really start to, like, go... All in on Nancy and Sarah, and less on the characters of Rochelle and Bonnie at this point, because Bonnie and Rochelle essentially just become Nancy's lackeys moving yeah. forward.
1: Non-characters, yeah. It's another
2: really weird part. Is like Not only do they all become absolutely horrible after they've gotten their powers and completely lose track of what they wanted to begin with, but the, yeah, two of them are just like, yeah, whatever evil shit you want to do will back you up these characters have got no character they're just apparently they were just written into like so that they could get to here like they just needed two more assistants like Like there
1: wasn't a scene where becky and rochelle are killing like younglings or anything you know (laughs) i mean there's no order
2: sixty sex. it's right but uh uh it's another one of these movies i end up saying this so much in our reviews i guess i should apologize for it but like it's another one of these movies that on the one hand to me doesn't seem to be substantial enough to merit being any longer. But on the other hand, if if they'd done better with the script, another 25 minutes, 15 to 25 minutes to just flush it out a little more might may, might have made the character transitions easier to digest. I don't know.
1: 12-year-old edge girls don't want to watch that. They just want to watch cool magic shit.
2: <laughs> I think that's a huge part of the problem. Is you, like I, I have to remind myself – frankly, that a lot of movies are not really made to be very good. They're just made to be entertaining enough for somebody to spend 90 minutes sitting through, and that's enough, you know?
1: Just shove popcorn into your face and stop asking questions.
2: You're not wrong. I mean, honestly, you're not wrong.
0: (laughs) So when Sarah starts to distance herself from the group at large... She does kind of succumb to Chris, who's basically been stalking her, and says, okay, I'll go out with you once. I think it's just because she needs someone to vent to. Yeah, I mean, I, that's the only thing I can come up with.
2: This is gonna go great. Because yeah, yeah, exactly. This is another part of my problem with with the whole issue between the two of them. He, she goes out with him. She rejects him softly. He takes it. He responds then by telling the whole school that they fucked and that she's a terrible lay. Her reaction to that is, I still want him to have a crush on me, so I'm gonna ask, cast a spell to make it happen. And the spell goes so wrong. It culminates with him literally trying to rape her. And her response to her father from that point. Is to say that she still thinks there's a good person underneath it all. It's like, no, he was a piece of shit
0: before you cast well, the spell. That's just something you say after someone dies. You're right, you know, but like,
1: he petted a puppy once. He was deep down, he was nice. He had a little like, puppy. He had, he had a little
2: puppy, had, puppy once. He had a little like, puppy. He's like, like, no, he was a piece of shit that your spell made even worse than <laughs> normal. Like, you know, and he literally tried to rape you. And I don't, like, I don't get it. But it, it, yeah, that whole, that whole thing is just like. I have to imagine you're right, that she really just felt so alone. And she's lost her mother, and she clearly has no, no relationship with her stepdad. Or stepmother, I mean. And her father father seems like he's trying to be nice, but is kind of vacant otherwise.
1: The moment you ask, why aren't we at the restaurant? Aren't we supposed to go to a restaurant? And he just looks at you deeply, longingly in your eyes and says, nope. You should probably start booking it.
2: Yeah, I mean... I mean, at that age, she probably should have known when he beelined directly for an out-of-the-way spot up in the canyons that something was not going to go the way she wanted, but yeah. (laughs) Chris, why are we three hours out of town? Look, I am absolutely not victim-blaming here at all, and there's no justification for a guy behaving that way, but you've got to be aloof enough to know when you're being put in a position where you're at that kind of risk. Like...
1: Well, we're not talking about real victims. We're talking about poorly written scripts.
0: Yeah, that's true. That is true. So after that whole event with Chris, Sarah meets up with her friends again and kind of tells them what happened, and Nancy is out for fucking blood. Nancy decides to go find Chris... And suck his dick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, what better way to get back at him than to fuck him? (laughs) Right.
2: Like, and it's another one of those conflicting ones, because, like, he sort of deserved some kind of punishment for being such an asshole, especially after the rapey scene. But, man.
1: uh, There's a spell on him, Steve. He's deep down Chris is a nice guy. Remember the puppy? You know, remember the thing You know, like, like when he wasn't
2: under the spell, and he just decided to tell everyone in school that a girl he'd never actually touched was a total whore in a terrible way. That was boys be boys, Steve. Yeah, I mean that was yeah, it. It's just boys being boys. It's totally fine. You don't even understand. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why every, every it's just so tropey? Everyone's got to be stereotyped, anyway.
0: Josh, why don't you tell us about Nancy confronting Chris? She.
1: Uh, she like comes into this like house party right uh, the set of can't hardly wait drags him upstairs he's a beer and a half deep so he's plastered T- tries to take advantage of him and then morphs into sarah right and then that that somehow gets her in the door a little bit more they're they're making out and she's making sex moans and then the real Sarah comes in the door. And then, yeah, magic. Magic. They're all witches. They're all witches. Magic ensues. Dude, I can we do
2: Can't Hardly Wait sometime?
1: I love Can't Hardly Wait.
2: I, yeah. So, so do I. And that's another one I'm actually a little scared to watch now because it's another one I have really endearing memories of but that I haven't sat through in several years. Some jokes are dated, but some hold up. I have a feeling I'm still going to like it. I also like Charlie Corsmo, and I'm really sad he didn't act for longer.
1: Well, let me tell you something Uh, Nancy (laughs) She got wires that the the crew put on her And now she can float A little bit Just a tad She's Magneto all of a sudden (laughs) I got got glimpses of uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation When when Shao Kahn's dad flies towards him Oh my god, (laughs) no
3: You let him live!
0: Not even. Uh. Like when they just push him on a skateboard in Mortal Kombat (laughs) Annihilation. Yes. So he's the plague. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh. I I, I like the confrontation that Nancy has with Chris, you know, to finally like she's in a position where she feels safe enough to like vent out everything that she feels about this guy, which is mostly true. Like, you know, talking about the way he treats people and how it's okay because he's a man and all this shit.
2: Yeah. Her... Her going nuts is the only one of them I bl- I thought worked. Like I, but she still wanted the D though, didn't she? Right. So who's who's really on top? My boy Chris. Girls will be girls, <laughs> right? Girls will be girls. The the other two, the other two went lackey way too quickly, and that that part bothers me. Her character, as much as I feel like she went sort of nuts as soon as she got her power, at least with that character, I I kind of believe it. I kind of believe she's the one in that group that would get the littlest bit of power and.
1: Was it the her her crazy rant on the beach when seeing the the dead fish and sharks and stuff? Did that give you the impression that she's kind of you know lost it a little bit?
2: Well, I mean that was still like ridiculous. Like I don't I don't get any of that. I don't but think
0: the other characters got it either though. Because Sarah and the other girls were like staring at this in total confusion. The sharks and they're like, yeah. She's like, this is a gift, and they're like looking at each other like, what right. the fuck? Why? Like. They're just as confused as us, which
2: makes it even weirder that later on they're just like, yeah, whatever she, whatever violent thing she wants to do, we're just sort of around for. It
0: does,
2: you know.
1: The other girls would have gotten it if they had asked for the most power. But they didn't, so... Well, and especially those two characters, because one of the two of them wanted to stop getting
2: bullied, and the other just wanted her burns to go away. Like, they're not the ones who would go... Should I ask for more power? But they're not the... That's the thing. They're not the ones who would, and they're not the ones who would go nuts afterward, and they're not the ones who would say, yeah, we'll just back you up when you decide to get violent with other people, because you're angry.
1: Well, except you're wrong, because they do that exact same thing. Right? Well, because the script is poorly written. (laughs) But, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Nancy murders Chris, right? Am I am I c- correct? Yeah, I yes. would say you're right. I mean, she uses, like, the force push magic technique, right? Right. That's how he goes flying out the window. He doesn't just trip over nothing, right?
2: Right. No, no. She definitely pushes him hard enough to go out the window. I mean,
0: she doesn't touch him, but it's a magic push.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's never even... After the fact, there's never even a moment where she's like, "Oh, I didn't mean for him to go out the window. I was just trying to hurt him." She doesn't even act like
1: saw like phoning it in. What? That was right, crazy, yeah.
0: man. Right? She's just like out the window with you.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you ever seen The Exorcist? What?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh
4: <laughs> You're a witch. They were right. They usually are. Nancy, come on, get off the bed, let's go. She's a witch too, you know. I mean, the only reason you're in love with her is because she cast a spell on you. No. Yes, sad but true. That's why I'm here, to help you forget about her. What do you care? Nancy, get off the bed. Look, you scared the shit out of him. Thank you very much. Let's go. No, he's got to pay. You're just jealous. Jealous? Jealous? You don't even exist to me! You don't even exist. You are nothing. You are shit. You don't exist. The only way you know how to treat women is by treating them like whores when you're the whore! And that's gonna stop! I'm saying I'm sorry <laughs> he's sorry oh he's sorry
0: Yeah, so Chris does die from that fall, which is good, because I think in a in a movie that was trying to be safe, they might have said he, like, oh, he broke his leg, you know? No, you <laughs> die from that. That's, that's a
1: death fall. This movie feels extremely fucking tame for a rated R film. I
2: forgot this movie was rated R. I didn't notice when I rewatched it. I didn't get reminded of it until I went looking for background stuff to talk about during this recording that they showed it was R, and apparently... It's one of these instances, and we've talked about multiples of these before, where they, they had a fight with the MPAA, and they were trying to get it to a PG-13, and for whatever stupid reason, they couldn't. And it's just another one of those examples of the MPA being inconsistent, ridiculous. There's nothing bad enough in this to merit it being an it's R. It's
0: because witchcraft is scary.
2: Right?
1: I never knew this movie was rated R.
0: I, no, uh, Until looking things up
1: for this podcast, I, I would have said this movie's PG-13.
2: Exactly, That was what I thought, too. My guess was PG-13. It's just, like, so strange.
0: Sarah is, like, not okay with shit that's been going on at this point. She's the only one acting normal. Yeah. She's, like, really freaked out because Chris is dead. Like, I mean. Well, she's got to go now, so let's all team up on her. Yeah, she leaves the group, essentially, and uh, that's where she becomes, like, the true adversary to Nancy, because she's not with them. She is now against them. All
1: of a sudden, we don't need you anymore, bitch.
0: When that's the most offensive, like, the
1: Nancy character,
0: I'll buy it. The other two,
2: um, Bonnie and Rochelle, like, maybe they'll go along for a while, but I have such a hard time buying those characters. Nancy would say, like, yeah, we've got to kill her. And the other two are like, yeah, okay, I guess you're right.
1: She should have been uncomfortably pressuring them into doing her bidding. Yeah, Yeah. like a
2: lot. And I kind of feel like it almost would have been a better ending if one of the two of them didn't go along. I don't know.
1: What if if Nancy kills Rochelle for giving her the back sass? And now Bethany or whatever the fuck is like, oh shit, if I don't do what she says, I might die too.
2: That, that I, would have, I would have been more willing to go with.
1: I don't, I don't need
2: it
0: to be perfect. I just want them to give me something. Give she me- could have said, do you want to end up like Chris to them? Yeah. And that yeah. would have been like enough to scare him straight.
2: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, just give me the nugget. I don't, like if it's not perfect, fine. Just, just some, something that indicates some effort to give the character a motivation.
1: Wait, I got a better idea. Let's just write them as lackeys from, for the last 30 minutes. Or just don't <laughs> give them any character. It makes it easier yeah, th- on
2: us. Thank you, that's, that's another element to it. It's not just that the character transition doesn't make any sense, it's that they went from being main characters to being lackeys between the second and third act with no explanation.
1: Their arcs are done, so we don't know what to do with these characters.
3: Yeah,
2: I think you must be right. It's like, what do we do with them now? Let's just have them be sidekicks.
4: We heard the police came to your house. They came to mine, too. Ew, I didn't, I didn't tell them anything. Well, then why do you want to leave the circle? I didn't say it. You don't need to say it. You're thinking (laughs) it? Look, Nancy, people are dead, okay? Chris and Ray are- Those were accidents. They deserved it. Says who? Says me, and you know it's true. Fine, whatever, I'm out. Fine? That's fine. We don't really need a fourth anymore, do we, girls? No. Mm Mm-mm. But if you're going to leave the circle, you might want to think about leaving the school. And maybe the city, too. We're not sure. Or the planet. You know, in the old days, if a witch betrayed her coven, they would kill her.
1: They run shit now, so they're like bullying Sarah in the bathroom. <laughs> like, get, get the fuck out of town, yo. Yeah, the scars are gone and the bully's bald,
0: so let's just do something <laughs> different. <with him. laughs> Sarah says at one point to the other girl, she's like, look, people are dead. Chris and Ray. Yeah. And I'm like, I paused it and I'm like, who the fuck is Ray? Yeah, who is Ray? Which one was Ray? Who's R- Ray? Charles is dead? What does that have to do with your plot. Who else did they kill? Well, there's a hobo guy oh, that, the they, hobo that they don't know the name yeah, of. Yeah, but you're right. They wouldn't have known his and name. And in the script as Vagrant. So yeah. they never were like, hey, what's your name? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm Ray. I'm going to get you with a snake. <laughs> oh, no. Buy my
2: snake. Did the hobo kid in the Spawn movie have a name? I don't remember anymore. I don't know. <laughs> the kid from Kindergarten Spaz? Cop.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I... That's the dog in Spawn.
2: Spass. <laughs> ah. Uh... My brain. All right, I got one thought at a time.
1: The Kibble and Rochelle have have started
0: practicing bitchcraft, though. Bitchcraft. <laughs> so, who, so who, there's a, there's a line. Someone named Ray died. We don't know who it is. I hadn't even thought about it. Well, so you I, just said it. Like I was like, oh yeah, I remember that line? Then I'm like, wait, who the fuck is Ray? <sighs> Ray!
1: Like that should have been a line in the movie where they're like, who? And Sarah's like, the
0: the bum. They're like, oh, oh. how do you know his name? <laughs> you know, I,
2: I'm almost interested to see if I can get a used copy of this on DVD for a few bucks. Because there is a director's commentary on at least one of the home video releases. And now I'm kind of interested if maybe it was a line that they didn't fix that was related to a deleted scene.
0: Yeah. like Well, it, I watched the deleted scenes that are available on YouTube and I didn't see anything about Ray.
2: So maybe... This is obviously just a guess, but maybe it's a scene that was scripted that they cut before it got filmed and they didn't notice. Like, they did that with with Blade Runner. There's a moment at the beginning where Bryant is talking to Deckard before Deckard's gone after them, and there was originally supposed to be one extra replicant. And in the original edits of the film, Bryant says five replicants, I think, instead of four. And it doesn't actually make sense if you catch it because they scripted for the additional one and then ended up cutting her from the movie before they shot almost anything with that actress. Mm. And when they did um Scott Redley Scott's final cut, they ADR'd, they finally ADR'd that dialogue to fix the mistake. Yeah.
0: A couple of small things. When Feruza Balk goes to uh suck Chris's dick <laughs> because she's mad at him about the <laughs> way he This is gonna be the angriest Fellatio you've ever gotten.
1: <laughs> no, I'm gonna lick your balls extra hard. <laughs>
0: Uh, she transforms into Sarah. We talked about that. I fucking love that transformation effect. That looks pretty good. You're right. It's good, dude.
2: And you know, just I was reminded doing a little bit of a little bit of research. I had time for for this. That that Robin Tunney had worn the wig because she'd shaved her head for Empire Records, and uh, that's a good wig. She looked
1: nice in it. Yeah. Well, it's 1996, Steve. C- computers can do a lot of things.
2: Well, you know, it's one of the most interesting things I think about that era, though, is if you look at what – because a lot of that, the computer-aided stuff in the 90s was was brand new, literally brand new. Like some of these films, even with small effects, it was the first time they'd ever done it. In The Abyss, which was, I mean, eight or – seven, eight years before, but even still, that's not that long a period of time. There were some CG waves they did for – tsunami waves they did as part of a storm. Nobody would have thought about it, but ILM had to invent a whole new technology in order to make those waves work. Cameron for T2 when they did the metal effect for the T-1000 and, and even going through the, in The Crow in 94 Brandon Lee died before they were done with the scenes they used CG to insert from content they'd already shot they inserted him into a mirror it was the first time anyone had ever done that it's not a big shot but it was literally the first time in a film it had ever been done so it's really interesting looking at a lot of these 90s movies that, like it's really easy now to joke about how the effects are dated and don't look so good but When you're keeping in mind that in some of these instances, it was literally the first time that tech had even been available to do it. It's pretty impressive.
0: Now, Nancy is really after Sarah at this point. Like, Nancy has officially become the the villain of the movie, and of course, Sarah has been the hero the whole time. Sarah goes to see Aunt Maharet at the witch shop (laughs) and um, tries to, like, get some advice and you know, I guess some guidance. She doesn't really have anywhere else to turn. She
1: shows up at her door, while, like, my friends are trying to kill me with magic, hmm. and I, I, I died laughing.
0: That's You're a right? sentence
1: you can't take serious. Corey, if I show up at your door, I'm just like, Steve's trying to kill me with
0: magic. If my magic worked, you'd be dead by now. And <laughs> <Aunt> Margaret's <laughs> like, yeah, I just sell candles. This is not real, I guess I'm not really magic.
2: If she finally takes takes her to the back room, which is super secret, and it turns out it's just a and altar with a pentagram painted on the floor. So it's like, I don't know what you were hiding back here. These girls already
0: know what well, this cleared is. cleared out the bodies. <laughs> she doesn't stay there long. Basically, she she's told that she has to invoke her spirit as well, which is the real way to call power from Manon.
1: She says, if you want to beat Nancy, you got to pass three tests. The first is courage.
0: <laughs> yes! This was just another one of Nightwolf's crazy tests? She goes to
2: the expert and then immediately decides she's in too big of a hurry
0: to listen to what the expert is telling her. So, yeah. When Sarah runs out of this magic shop, it's very brief. A shot of her running. She runs like a fucking idiot. She runs like Lando Calrissian. She's super... (laughs) She is like floppy. She has this dumb floppy run, dude. I wonder... like. 90s goth girls wore some pretty nuts shoes.
2: And oftentimes they had those sort of almost 60s style pants on that looked like they were a size too small and you're confused about how they even got them on in the first place. Okay. You try running in that outfit, Corey. You know, so I'm just wondering if maybe that's what was causing the awkward. Either that or, look, Robin Tunney might be a
0: spastic runner. I don't know. <laughs> like, I think it's direction. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> so Sarah gets home. She finds out some bad news, Steve. Her parents have died in a plane crash. Say what?
2: Yeah, the, the, apparently the other girls... Well, what you're meant to believe is that the other girls made her parents believe that she'd run back to San Francisco, where they'd moved from.
1: Was there any moment of, like, for, like your arch enemy just called you? You and your arch enemy, first of all, are, like, practitioners of magic.
3: Right. And now your arch
1: enemy is calling you to tell you your parents are dead... You don't believe me? Turn on the TV.
4: Hello? They're gone. They flew back to San Francisco. They thought you ran away back home. Look, Sarah. There's been an accident, ma'am. What are you talking about? What? It's been all over the news. (sighs) Go look at
2: your TV. Wreckage from the plane was scattered over a one-mile square area. Authorities suspect severe wind shear may have been responsible for today's tragedy. FAA officials have retrieved the black box, and a full investigation is pending. Once again, Global Flight 321 from Los Angeles to San Francisco has crashed with no survivors. Well, and like... later on, there's kind of an implication that the whole thing was magic, and that it was faked, and I'm like, wait a second, so Wiccan
0: magic can generate a fake news report Yeah, about plane that's what crash? I mean, there's like, they have someone on the scene, like a fake, an, an illusion of a news reporter? It yeah, that doesn't make any fucking sense! So, like, they had to, like, magic the detail of the news reporter's microphone, and, and like, and a, the, on a TV and everything? Yeah. Well,
1: the way they, like, like, half-assed that explanation, it's like, oh, you know that was just a joke, it's yeah. Like what, I realized that because it's the next morning and my dad is fucking here. Yeah. <laughs> He's alive. Yeah. Good
2: joke. Good joke. So what, like, I know it might seem the opposite considering how often I criticize this kind of thing. I'm capable of suspending disbelief. But, like, I've always fervently felt you can't ask an audience to do it beyond a certain point. If things get too ridiculous, it better be a comedy. Like, you better be doing it on purpose. Because there's a point at which things get so ridiculous, even my ability to suspend disbelief will not cover it. And, and, and this is one of those moments for me. It's just too stupid. I don't understand. Like they, they didn't need the news report part. They could have just told her that they'd convinced her parents or her father and stepmother that she'd gone back to San Francisco and that the two of them left to go look for her. The, the, the
1: being dead part isn't even necessary or you don't need to write a line at all because they haven't had to explain any of the parents' locations so why start now
2: that's another thing is like we've as we've spoken about all of these movies have such a tropey habit of the parents being totally vacant anyway at this point I'm not going to wonder where they are I'm just going to assume they aren't there
1: like they've not been around the whole movie
2: <laughs> yeah exactly you're right and in Buffy too and in a bunch of these other ones they're they're always not there I don't need to be told where they are like
1: Nancy gives Sarah a big old fat boo. <laughs> boo. And says, you know, you scream like a bitch.
2: Uh, like, well, she's a girl. i do not what to expect.
1: <laughs> so Sarah comes into the, the living room of this mansion. They try to bully her into suicide. And when she tells them no, Nancy's just like, well, girls and float. And they all float together. It's like they practiced it.
2: So out of character for the other two. Nancy's like, "Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna uh, murder you and make it look
0: like a suicide." The other two were like, "Yeah, fine, let's let's just do that." She's like, "I'm not gonna kill myself," and they're like, "Oh yeah? Well, now we're gonna fly then." (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. You know, had enough. What if I levitate? Will that change your mind? (laughs) Okay, you don't want to kill yourself. Well, now I'm flying. (laughs) Oh shit! Maybe I should kill myself. God damn it!
1: Now, now, yeah, now it's tempting. <laughs> right. she, she like thinks that like little suicide note, she's like, I didn't write that. You and your arch enemy are using magic. Stop saying this
0: isn't real. You know it's not real. She's like, actually I didn't even use magic, I just I'm good at forging
2: <laughs> signatures. The one thing she couldn't believe was that someone could forge her handwriting.
0: <laughs> what sorcery is this? Right. I, I literally used a pen. Uh. Steve, though, Nancy does create a lot of illusions of bugs and spiders and snakes. Yeah. I got to admit, if if there was a real magic person and they were coming after me, that would be a good way to break my mind, because there was no safe space in this house. Every orifice of the house is oozing with insects, and it's fucking gross, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think this is another thing that's been done a little bit in some other films, but I agree with you. Like, if you can get inside the other person's head, you know, even if you know... I mean, frankly, like, anyone who's ever done a hallucinogen, whether it's mushrooms or acid or whatever else, like, even if part of your brain knows what you're seeing isn't real, the rest of your brain does not give a shit. Like, if any part of you is is scared, it it, it can be really frightening. So, yeah. I just,
1: I think using your witch powers to, I don't know, like, throw a fireball or just making Sarah's heart suddenly stop might have been more effective. What you wanted from this was a hadoken.
0: Yes, there should have been more <laughs> Hadoukens. Josh, I'm sorry, not every movie can be Dungeons & Dragons starring Jeremy Irons, Dude, okay? hey, are you, by the
2: way, are you guys aware that they're doing another Dungeons & Dragons movie? Yeah, I saw the trailer. Yeah. They released at
0: Comic-Con. I've seen Boy. the thumbnail for the
1: trailer on YouTube. I haven't clicked on it.
2: <laughs> you know, sometimes you just see things and, and you sit there and you say to yourself... They've made this mistake before, well, and they're doing it again.
1: I, I Maybe it's just me. I, I look at like movie posters and movie trailer thumbnails on YouTube, and it's like, I don't need to watch that or even no. the trailer. I feel like I, I, I just know that movie. It's <laughs> yeah. the newest Clint Eastwood movie. I know exactly how that one's going to go. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, and
2: I he's really... Well, let's be honest, even if we're talking about the really good ones, he's mostly made the same three or four films like 50 separate times. I mean, most of what he's famous for is playing basically the same cowboy in like eight different movies. But but even still, yeah.
1: There was an article that came out. Uh, you can cut this, Corey. There was an article that came out there that like uh, the, the new Warner Brothers guy, when he came mm. over, he found out the previous executives had greenlit lit this Clint Eastwood movie that they knew wasn't going to make any money. He's like, why did you green light this? If you knew it wasn't going to make money, they're like, we kind of just did it as a favor. He's like, show business, not show friends. You fucking idiots. Right. Well, I mean, and that's, that's not
2: unusual, but it's usually – the studio executives are usually able to leverage something for themselves out of it. Like we, we were in Miro, and I don't want to rehash any arguing over anybody in particular, but like one of the reasons Frank and agreed to even take on that project was because the studio said, we'll let you pick out three other films to direct for yourself. And he said, fine. You know, or I, Tom Cruise has done this sort of thing before. Other big actors, where they'll say – you know, the studio really wants them for X, and they'll say, okay, well, I'll do it, but I'll only do it if you guys agree to produce these two other things that I want to get to. I'll
1: do your mummy film, but I want to be an executive producer.
2: You know, that, and so, like, fine, you know, I get it. The producers can justify that because it works for both ends. But, like, yeah, they just did she just say, fine, you know, you're Clint Eastwood, so we'll make this movie. At the same time, I feel like that's kind of what somebody's doing with M. Night Shyamalan because none of, like, the guys made one good movie.
1: So he made one good movie. There was an article that said he was the understand. next Spielberg in two thousand three. So right, come on. Yeah, I mean, I
2: th- I, th- I think the like the first four of them I can justify because they clearly were just crossing their fingers and hoping he would do The Sixth Sense a second time.
1: Lady in the Waters a masterpiece. No, it's <laughs> his best film he's ever written.
2: And like I'm not even like on its own. I'm not even saying the Village is necessarily a bad movie, but I remember. Sitting, I don't even remember what we were seeing. I was sitting in a movie theater with a friend of mine, James, and they played the trailer for The Village. And I looked at James and I said, that whole movie is going to be about a bunch of people living in what they think is a village from like the 1700s. And at the end, one of them is going to discover the modern world still exists outside their village. And James bring in
0: James. We need to verify if this is true.
2: You know what? I will. I will ask him. I will call him one of these days on the podcast because if he remembers, I guarantee you he would he would repeat the story. James refused to believe it. He was like, there's no way that movie would be that easy to predict. There's no way you could predict it that easily. Like he's going to come up with some really big twist and it'll surprise all of us. And a few weeks later, James called me, texted me, whatever it was. Just saw the village. You were fucking right. Like there's there's no surprise left with him. You can usually guess what's going to happen. Like, or 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 at the very least, you can guess it's going to be stupid at the end, and you're
1: probably right. A lot of people hate Lady in the Water, and a lot of people hate The Happening. I, I find oh, those movies hysterical. I hate The Village.
2: I don't like it myself. I I I think it's it's one of those films that, like, I I will concede it's generally competently made. Like the costuming is all fine. The sets look good. None of the actors are bad, but the film itself is just too dumb. It's just too dumb. And it's kind of unfortunate. I actually find it to be unfortunate, in my opinion, because it is one of those movies that I think is competently put together. It just – it isn't worth
0: watching. I don't know. Anything with Bryce Dallas Howard to me is worth watching.
2: She's very good. She, no, no. I mean, again, Joaquin Phoenix is one of my favorite actors. William Hurt's one of my favorite actors. I, R.I.P. Right? So it's one of the hardest parts for me discussing that movie because I don't even dislike the cast. I think a lot of them are really good. It's just just a letdown as a film. Yeah. Hail hey, to the
4: guardians of the watchtowers, North. My powers of mother and earth. I invoke thee. I invoke thee. Sarah. by the powers of three times three make them see
0: so back in the movie sarah decides to invoke her spirit with manon because it's the only way that she can be powerful enough to actually face nancy yeah and she kind of runs upstairs and she she does like a really quick version of it she does like the abridged invoke the spirit spell, you know, because it took Nancy and them a while. They had to like gather butterflies and shit. Come on, Manos,
1: you're on the clock. Speed it up. <sighs>
0: so like I guess the rituals are, are just that, rituals, right? But she she quickly gets rid of Bonnie and Rochelle, right, Steve? She makes them C times three
2: yeah, yeah, so they believe that they're getting back, like, Rochelle's hair starts to come out, she thinks, and Bonnie sees the scarring coming back, but even worse, and this time it really is full Freddy Krueger, like, on her face and everything. Yeah. And uh, the two of them are like, oh my god, we're getting it back times three, and they bone out, which is just like, those characters, man, got written so poorly, they, they went from being sympathetic to being crazy, to a plot murders point. bitches for no explicable reason, and then immediately, like, we're like, oh my god, it turns out there are consequences. We're, we're leaving.
0: I don't have hair. Fuck I don't this. Have,
1: right? You know? Expecto Patronum, bitch, three times three.
2: I'm glad <laughs> that
1: those two characters are resolved now. We're done. Well, actually, we're not.
2: We're not. I'm going to argue a little bit with you. I, I agree with you, but we're not really resolved with them because the two of them... We can bring them back for the stinger. Yeah, the two of them double down at the end and make themselves even worse. I mean, these characters at this point are two of the worst-utilized characters in cinematic history, super poorly written character arc, like one of the worst written character arcs in history.
1: Uh, like you better with the Freddy Krueger-backed bitch. Right.
2: Yeah, and then at the end, they just make it worse, and we'll get there when we get there.
0: When Sarah invokes the spirit, there's some cool effects. I like how her, like, photos in her room become, like, clouds. It is neat. You know, there's some cool, like, witchcraft, like, creativity that they throw in aesthetically into this part of the movie, and I appreciate that. Yeah,
1: me too. I was gonna say, Nancy goes to confront Sarah, but Sarah's powers have doubled since the last time they met. (laughs) Yeah. And it's really
2: weird that, like, the whole starting premise here was she's the only one of them that's a real witch, and her power was the linchpin to any of them making their power work, and then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we can kick the shit out of her.
0: Well, that was in the original version of the script, I believe, was that she was the only one that actually had power. Yeah, and they were all leeching off her. But the way they rewrote it was more vague. Yeah, it really is more vague. Yeah, but she enters the mirror universe, Steve. (laughs) The (laughs) mirror-verse. She comes out of the mirror I think that's a cool effect And it just shows like That she's like At least on the same level As Nancy now Yeah That she can do shit like that
1: Was it distracting when For you guys When she yelled Magic kick
0: (laughs) Magic kick (laughs) We're not quite there yet But uh, she does Create a lot of insects In Farouza Bulk's like like, coming out of her skirt and stuff, which is, like, oh, yeah. really gross. Yes. She, like, turns her fingers into snakes, which, for the most part, looks pretty good, I think. And she,
2: she did have one part dialogue-wise in there where she tells Nancy, I've spoken to Manon, and he says you've been given too much power and you've misused it. She and talked
0: to the football field. Yeah, she <laughs> the football
2: field, and he says he's taking your football away. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> he's taking his ball and going home. Probably. Right?
2: And, like... If you're buying the Nancy character, I, I do think that being told that basically Daddy's decided you've been a bad girl and is taking her powers away probably is, like, the most angering thing you could tell her. Because she is
1: convinced that she deserves this shit. Well, she's the chosen one or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, she tries to apologize. You know, no harm, no foul. You know, I'll just go home now.
4: I know I'm a little crazy. I don't mean to be. It all got out of hand, and I'm sorry. No more games, okay? Sarah, I'm so sorry. Good.
2: I hate these scenes. In any movie, it's not just this one. I hate these scenes. It's like, is the main character here just dumb as fuck? Does she have the intellect of a six-year-old? Because it's always a very obvious, I'm feigning an apology, but in a moment when I get close enough, I'm going to try to stab you or shoot you or hit you or shove you off a cliff or whatever's happening right now. Like, you never believe the apology. You always just shoot the person giving it. Just yeah. shoot them.
1: <laughs> I like
0: what follows, Steve, because this is why this movie won Best Fight at the 1997 is a good MTV Movie Awards. And it's, it's brief. Yeah. But Nancy charges at this bitch with a knife, <laughs> and the wind rushes at her, and they fly into the wall. And, yeah. like, you know, they have the upside-down shot where, like, everything's falling at them. That is cool. That It's only a few seconds. It's, like, ten seconds of screen time, but it's a fucking great moment. It is. The shot of Feruza Balk flying at Sarah, like, is, is
1: so iconic. Like, it's one of the most the biggest things I remember about this film from a kid Me too. as a kid just it's so cool
2: it's the only one of the payoffs with the character that it feels like it belongs to that character like we've really been building to Nancy having a fucking freak out the entire time like that's that's gonna be her her break moment
0: battle for the ages right yeah. so like Nancy's like f- slamming her fists into her the knife kind of disappears well, which I mean
2: so in that regard and I'm guessing at this cause you're not wrong Sarah's been trying the whole film, to, or not the whole film, but since the third act, to apply a binding spell to Nancy to try to stop her from being able to hurt people. And the first time around, it doesn't take. And the second time around is pretty briefly before her and Nancy have this fight. Ooh. And I'm, my guess, because they're not very specific, is that the reason the knife doesn't land is because Sarah's binding spell is supposed to be starting to work just enough that that Nancy can't actually hurt her yeah but again I'm guessing at that and if I'm not right then you definitely are because it's got to be one of the two either it disappears inexplicably or it's the binding spell
1: I like that theory though right there was no knife
0: it the knife was also magic <laughs> right? It's like the knife from the shadow. Yes. And then the big cabinet starts to come at him, and then Sarah goes full Maurice from Little Monsters. <laughs> yes. This, this part ruined it for me.
2: Why? Why did she turn into clothes? Why did, you? Yeah, I mean, she disappears from the clothes. Where did she go? It would have been cooler if she just had some way of moving out of the way really quickly. You don't but, like her turning into clothes? No, that one, Now, one, the Maurice moment didn't work for
1: <laughs> me. <laughs>
0: Well, magic kick. Magic kick. Magic kick. So the way this fight ends is extremely fucking anticlimactic. It is. Considering the two most powerful witches in Los Angeles are having a fucking Saruman versus Gandalf style wizard battle here. Do you think
2: they could have beaten the gothy Los Angeles musicians who were playing in Lestat's band? Yes. Okay.
0: Easily. (laughs) But Sarah beats Nancy with a stupid donkey kick. (laughs) Yes. She does a two-legged kick while in a like prone position. Nancy flies across the room and boom, she's defeated. Fucking fatality, Mortal Kombat. That's a wrap, bitch. Have you ever been kicked so hard you repelled across the room and slammed into a mirror? I've never had a magic donkey kick. No. You never had a magic donkey kick. It'll put you on your ass. I'll, I'll tell you that much. No I- plan intended. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Steve, Where, what did you think of the the f- final kick? It's ridiculous.
2: <laughs> it really is ridiculous. It, I, I I I'm pretty much with you. I think the fight itself was pretty fun up until they ended it that well. The, her disappearing from her clothes and then ending it like that. I don't I don't like that. There should have been some sort of cool magic ending. Like I can open a door to hell and make you go through it, or I can turn you to dust or dissolve your spirit
1: yeah they really should have had like a magic duel
2: yeah <laughs> like like you know what was awesome is at the end of Big Trouble in Little China she throws a knife at her right would well, Egg Shen and- <laughs>
0: yeah, if they started
1: shooting laser beams at each other like Egg Shen yeah, when Egg Shen and, and
2: Lopan are having the magic battle, that was awesome. I love that movie.
1: Dude, if Nancy and Sarah started doing that, it right. becomes the greatest movie ever. Admittedly,
2: that's kind of a trope of its own. I mean, you think about, like, Palpatine and the other Je- and Jedi's having lightning fights in the Star Wars movies. Or how many movies can you think of where two of the characters are magic or powerful? And what they basically devolve into is them just shooting energy at each other.
3: You
1: know? So you're saying you would have rather preferred Nancy and Sarah being like, it seems our powers cannot be tested, with the, but only our skills with a lightsaber. Um, Josh, would it
2: have been a okay, two-part question? A, would it have been any more ridiculous than the way they did it? And B, wouldn't it have been more entertaining? Because I, I, I think it's a no and a yes.
1: Yes. Yeah, I agree with you. It's <laughs> yes and no, simultaneously working right. together in tandem.
2: I'm not necessarily saying it would be good. It just would have been more fun without being any more ridiculous. <laughs> it takes the movie to eleven. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna indulge the ridiculousness, you may as well indulge the ridiculous. Like none of this is meant to be a serious ride to begin with.
1: <laughs> the way <wait>, it's not. <laughs> I...
0: <laughs> oh shit! Oh shit! <gasps> uh. Steve. Yes. Sarah is confronted the next day by Bonnie. And Rochelle.
2: Oh my god, I hate this shit. I hate this. This is the worst part of the whole ending. The two of them show back up and they basically say, yeah, we're kind of sort of glad you're not dead. But also, by the way... (laughs) Sorry about that whole
1: trying to kill you thing.
2: But also, by the way, um, we're still giant bitches. And we've decided that we don't want to not be powerful. So if you decide you'd like to be Nancy and let us leech your powers so that we can do awful things to people for no reason then go ahead and come back, but otherwise um, go ahead and fucking drop dead because we still hate you.
1: (laughs) Sarah flexes on him. Yeah, and
2: Sarah's like, oh, okay, well, I'll just drop a tree branch near you. (laughs) Like, just kill the two of them. (laughs) Fuck. Now I hate these two characters. I started off being so sympathetic to them. One's this teenage girl with a scarred body who just wants to be normal and the other's being picked on by a racist. And it's like that's that's sympathetic. That's some sympathetic shit.
1: And then Sarah's like, "You'll want to end up like that bitch Nancy." The cut to Nancy in Arkham Asylum.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah and th- 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 that makes it even worse. Then, then they come. Then they turn into total bitches. I would almost use the c word because it's that bad. <laughs> they turn into total fucking bitches, and and they turn into Nancy's lackeys. They're willing to do fucking whatever. Then. Sarah shows them that the shit's going to come back by making them think they're burned and their hair's falling out, and they run away. Nancy dies, and they come back basically to say, we still hate you, we think you're an awful bitch, but rather than killing you, we were wonder if you'd um, mind letting us use your power to do some more fucked up stuff to innocent people.
0: Because girls get it done. Well, Nancy's well, not dead, she's committed.
2: Oh, that's right. And, Nan- so Nan- and then they flash to Nancy pulling a joker, which is... Tantamount to that deleted scene from fucking the Batman. Don't give her that much credit. That's Jim
0: Carrey at the end of Batman Forever. You know what? You're right. Yeah, you're no, right. I was gonna say Chase Meridian walks in. Oh, you're right. And she's like, "I know the true identity it's of like Batman." Psychiatrist like with a credit card for a name. <laughs> fucking walks in.
2: <laughs> like,
3: who is,
0: is Batman? Edward, tell me.
3: <laughs> right.
0: Ugh.
2: Yeah. This is what a shit ending. What a shit ending.
3: I don't
0: like, hate it.
2: Really? I don't even dislike the movie. I'm actually going to end up giving the movie an okay-ish review, <sighs> but
1: the in- the ending is bad. I am too, despite me shitting all over the plot and pointing out plot holes and inconsistencies, I'm still going to give it a positive rating.
0: Yeah. Well, we're sort almost of. there, guys. I think it's time to go into final thoughts because we discussed the movie itself. Steve, do you have any final thoughts before ratings? Most of my
2: final thoughts will get bundled into my review. It's not, it's not a... A hateable movie, but and it is entertaining, but it's not actually very good. I'll just keep the rest of my
1: review.
0: <laughs> Josh, do you have any final thoughts before ratings? When they're
1: in French class, their, their French teacher l- looks like Elon Musk's ugly little brother. <laughs> I was just like, French Elon Musk, <laughs> really <laughs> upset with breckenmeier Meyer. <laughs> with breckenmeier Meyer.
0: I want to say this, because I actually forgot to give my answer earlier. At the very beginning of the podcast, when I talked about witch movies, the motherfucking Blair Witch Project.
2: Yeah, I almost brought that one up. The, Fucking A, dude.
0: The Blair Witch Project was a event of the 90s. It
2: was the biggest letdown of a movie event in history. <laughs> I mean, the people I'd heard talk about that movie made it sound like it would make Navy SEALs shit themselves with fear. It was supposed to be the most frightening fucking thing that had ever been committed to it's film. Br-
1: it's real footage, Steve. It's real. It really happened. It's real footage. I mean, it,
2: you know what that movie's biggest accomplishment really was, to Josh's point, was setting off a chain reaction of shitty found footage movies. Just an endless row of them, and they were almost all bad. Like, that movie, that I, I, I watched it with an eight-year-old cousin who it didn't scare I mean, I don't know who the fuck was frightened by that movie, but it wasn't me.
1: Not a fan of The Last Exorcism, I take it, huh?
2: Oh
0: God, well, no. Now that I... Steve is shit all over my final thoughts. Sorry. I was gonna say I like the Blair Witch project, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> Look, I mean, Corey, you and I respectfully disagree about some movies, so that's that's cool. I mean
0: Well, at least the Blair Witch
1: project didn't end in a fucking hyperlink to a website that doesn't uh... no longer works like the Devil Inside. You right? Yeah, I don't, it's weird, I,
2: I, it's so funny that the old websites that go along, they, they kept the original Flash-based Space Jam website up until like two years ago. When, when the, when the they, new one came out,
0: right? Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that fucking website uh, makes me laugh. It does. Do you guys
2: ever use the Wayback Machine? Sometimes, I try yeah. to explain to people who are like 18 to 25 what the internet was like in 1994 and they don't get it. So I've got to get on the Wayback Machine and be like, yo, this was the internet. An hour of this a day was enough. There wasn't enough to do.
1: Pages and pages of forums. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. That most of my time was chat rooms and IRC and and fucking Instant Messenger. Like, the websites didn't do anything. (laughs)
0: Let's get into ratings. Josh, on any rating scale you want, what are you going to give The craft?
1: So, I'm going to give it a bonus point for nostalgia purposes, but I'm going to give it seven yes. hot topics out of ten. Ooh. It's cliche, predictable, but sometimes that's okay. Feruza Balk is just having a blast in this performance, <laughs> and like I said, she's having such a blast, she carried it over to her later performances in other movies, <laughs> and it, it it's not groundbreaking, but it did inspire an entire generation
0: of goth girls, so... It is, really? right? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of influence in the late 90s on the Goth Girls of America. I'm going to go next, and I'm going to give this 8 out of 10. Sexy Feruza Balks. Now, you guys have been talking a lot of shit about this movie. You notice I was mostly absent in those parts of the discussion. Uh, this movie is a vibe, man. This movie, where it lacks in story, it makes up for in vibes. Like this movie's more of a, of a dive into like these just teenagers' lives than it is like really plot-driven, which is why at the end it seems so like rushed when it when the structure gets more rigid and we have a more legitimate villain who has henchmen and it be- kind of becomes a more adversarial piece. I think up until that point, it's just a lot of like the ride, right? The experience of like these girls that dabble in witchcraft and the occult. And I think that's mostly what people remember from this movie. Like, the turn from Acts 2 and 3 is somewhat abrupt, and it's not always completely viable, but I really like the experience of this movie. Like, the ride that you're in with the craft, and, you know, just being with these teenage girls that are, like, goth and they have issues and they're struggling with things that's that's really what i like about this movie and it's very much a slice of late 90s especially in goth culture so it's pretty cool for that steve what do you think
2: i actually mostly agree with both of you i mean there's a lot in this movie for me to pick on and i found rewatching it this time that some of the details bugged me more than my memory had let on it's probably been five or six years since i sat through it Like Josh and kind of to what you said, I will give this movie a bonus point for nostalgia because it did come out at a point in time that I'm quite fond of. I think the movie is fun to watch and it's certainly far from being the worst thing to come out in this, in this era. There are certain moments of it I think are are likable and even endearing if you were alive during this period and you remember what it was like. Um, But my bonus point is only going to take the rating on this one from a five to a six. I'm going to give this one 16 wishes out of 10. I I think... 16 witches? <laughs> yeah, yes. No, 16 witches. Oh. Um. I'm going to give it 16 witches. But uh, yeah, I, look, it definitely not the worst. Nostalgia helps, but... It's a it's kind of a weak movie. Like character arcs don't make a lot of sense. Characters that start off being sympathetic get way into themselves with no arc being involved and turn into crazed bitches. and it's a lot of weird stuff about the story. So it's not a hateable one. I will probably watch it again, even if for no reason other than nostalgia, but um that's probably about my takeaway from it.
0: <laughs> right on. That's fair. At least you weren't overly harsh in your final rating. No, I don't hate this movie. I just don't think it's great. You just act like you do. Well, I hate <laughs> parts of it. I hate parts of it. But I, I
2: honestly, I know you expressed that you never want to sit through Buffy again. But uh, <laughs> I kind of like both movies equally, if I'm being honest. Like Buffy is a an imperfect movie that I like for its humor, and this is an imperfect movie that I like for its nostalgia. This um, movie
0: is way more teenage angsty than buffy Yeah, and obviously it's intended to be like yeah, right? it's agree a totally different genre but i think there's a there's a more relatable factor in that to me even though i'm not a teenage girl but you know i remember teenage angst very well and no, i was i was somewhat of an outsider in high school i as, as i can myself.
2: see what you mean with that point i really can like buffy's more like you should be laughing at this rather than relating to it and this was more meant to be i think relatable yeah yeah
1: this is the type of movie that like you, you throw on with some friends, you, you make a couple jokes, you point out some plot holes, but when the movie's over, you're like, yeah, but it's still
0: pretty good. Exactly, and I yeah. think that's what we had here today. Yeah, I agree with, with both of those
2: sentiments. I, it's not a terrible one. It's a movie I'd sit through again. Eventually, when I'm in the mood, I will probably watch it again.
0: Do you ever see the Guy version of this, Chronicle? No,
2: I'm aware that that exists, but I've actually—that's the way it was always pitched to me—is like the teenage boy version of this, and I'm like, I don't need to see that. It's actually pretty good. Is it really? Yeah, it's a I'm, good movie.
1: You know what? I'll try it. The real male version of this is The Covenant. Ooh, yeah. Talking about seventeen-year-old, twenty-year-olds in high school <laughs> with trench coats down to your ankles and just the edgiest of edge lords casting
0: spells. Well, speaking of edge lords, Josh. You do reviews on YouTube as well. Why don't you tell the audience more about what you do, where they can find you, etc., etc.,
1: etc. I make fun of movies for the most part. You can find me at reviewdwd or review inc. Uh, not uploaded in a while, but you know whatever. Whatever. Nobody's really asking, so I'm not really not really rushing. So I'm asking well I make content for Corey right now yeah. that's something okay well that's
2: good as long as I get something you gotta give me my Josh fix
1: thank you Yeah, <laughs> hey, you'll get your
2: fix
0: really? if you the listeners want to reach out to us you can contact us at BigDumbMovie at gmail.com our Instagram is BigDumbMoviePodcast also I would like for you to leave us a positive rating and written review on Apple Podcasts or a 5 star rating on Spotify If you did both, you're even extra cool, but also we have a YouTube channel, and the YouTube channel is unique because not only do we upload our podcasts, we have special videos in the form of highlights and clips, and they are moments from our podcast that we really liked. We Actually have them in proper video format, so I think you guys would really like those. Please subscribe to us on YouTube.
2: You know, there's a really, really good one on the channel right now uh about Robocop too. But I, I don't know some, who did that. James uh Joyce, uh, Jared, what's I think that was guy's Jonathan. name? Jonathan. Jonathan yeah. whos that is that guy's name? Yeah. Shout out to
0: Jonathan for making that one. Yeah, that guy, that guy's legend.
2: <laughs> that guy. I mean, all I know is whoever whoever edited that video is some kind of editing legend. I whatever. Yeah, I'm sure he's got a massive penis as well. I I mean, 16, 17 inches minimum. Easily, easily.
0: (laughs) Thank you guys for being here. Thank you, Steve. And thank you, Josh, for joining us. I I really appreciate it. I know it's not always convenient to do a podcast, but I'm glad you guys are here and I'm glad we do it. And our listeners certainly are, at least the ones that have reached out to me. So just know that. And uh, to the listeners out there, we thank you for listening. We love you, and good night.
2: Sweet dreams. Stuff electronics get funky sometimes. Uh, what else? Netflix has already canceled the Resident Evil show.
0: Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. That's probably for the best.
2: Yeah, probably. I haven't bothered watching it because nobody had anything good to say about it. It right. seemed terrible. It, and it, despite the bad reviews, because I would liked the anime so much, I did try watching a couple episodes of their live-action Cowboy Bebop, and they they the sets were beautiful. I have to give them that. The sets looked fantastic. The rest of the show really missed the mark. It, it was like... Like made by people who'd watched three episodes of the anime on mute and just tried to de- tried to emulate what they'd seen.
0: I thought it was like supposed to be really faithful
2: or something. I think that I think they thought it was going to be really faithful, but I it I don't know. It's just, I mean I I'm not even sure it was for lack of effort. It's just somehow they like here's where they wanted to be and they ended up six feet this way.
0: You can't really adapt some anime. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it just doesn't adapt. Like, you can't make a Dragon Ball Z live-action movie. Like, it it just can't happen. No, no. I mean, and that's, like, I kind of felt the
2: same way about the Ghost in the Shell movie. Honestly, I thought it looked really nice. It was just the rest of it didn't materialize in the way it should have. And I think that's another one that's real hard to...
0: I don't think you can really make a live-action Ghost in the Shell that's 100% accurate because... Yeah. The Ghost in the Shell anime doesn't answer a lot of questions. Yeah. It really expects the audience to like... Ask themselves. To like watch it multiple times or to like familiarize yourself quickly. Yeah. Because I remember being like, oh, fuck, this is a lot to take in. (laughs) Yeah. Like, this is a lot. But like modern movies don't really do that. No. Especially movies with like Scarlett Johansson. Maybe like if you (laughs) have like an indie movie, like they'll take some chances in that way.
2: Yeah. No, you're right. And a lot of the point of that movie is presenting you with questions that the characters don't even have an answer for like am i even still human at this point you know so yeah absolutely and
0: i I think a lot of that's though is like between the lines even that like those questions like i got that vibe from like non-verbal animated scenes exactly so like i'm supposed to interpret what this person is thinking yeah i think you can but i don't i think you know obviously blade runner had some questions that were yeah answered in the form of ADR, so Right. Things like that. Right. But th- that still goes on to this day.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of the big problems with Blade Runner. And, you know, it was one of the reasons they added the uh, – that the studio wanted Ford to do a, a voiceover because they, they did two or th- – at least two if not three te- separate test screenings for audiences. And in all three cases, some of the members of the test audience complained they didn't really understand what they were watching. And the studio finally went back to Scott and told him we're gonna add a voiceover to it so people will understand what's happening and they started a whole fight.
0: I I can see the dilemma because you want yeah. general audiences to like understand your movie and right. like it. But at the same time, like then you're making it less good. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> You know, and and the like. I I think they were scared to death because the movie was way over budget, and way over schedule, and they were like, "We got to do something that's going to make people want to watch it." And then it, it ended up not performing very well anyway. And so, yeah, it was a literal disaster.
0: <laughs> that kind of movie, it like has to be cult, Blade Runner, you yeah, know? because like not everyone's going to want to be in for that ride.
2: No, no, I mean that's that's the big problem. Like, regardless of what any other argument I may have for the film and the, and the debate stuff blah, 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 like it's – the bottom line is that kind of movie is just not going to be appealing to a large percentage of people. And I, I I don't think that that alone makes a movie either good or bad. I don't think I, – I don't think the fact that you can say some segment of the population is not going to want this makes a thing good or bad. You know what I mean? It's just not for everybody. It's like rum raisin ice cream. Right. Is it bad just because not everyone likes it? Like, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it definitely doesn't make it bad. Some people would say that it does because – Right. Like there's like a, an easy argument <coughs> with saying that mass appeal equals good. That, you yeah. Know, but it's not necessarily true because good is one it's subjective. Right. But two, like quality can be defined in different ways. Right. In different ways. Yeah. Like there can be a really great podcast that no one has listened to.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah? I agree with you completely. <laughs> right. No. And you know, that's, that's, that's another thing. A hundred percent. You're right. And, um, uh, I think that's the difficulty with a lot of films is like if it's not the type of material a given person is interested in to begin with, then it won't matter how technically good that film is otherwise because that person's just never going to connect with it.
0: Menon, we invoke thee. Hail to the guardians of the watchtowers of the east, powers of air and invention. Hear us.
2: Hail to the guardians of the watchtowers of the south, powers of fire and feeling. Hear us.
1: Hail to the guardians of the watchtowers of the west, powers of... Fuck, which one am I again? Ah, uh,
2: Josh, you what fuck up. fuck, bro? You always screw these up. Can't you even read off a card? Manone is going to fuck you in the ass for this one. He's going to think we're praying to margarine.
0: Dude, what the yes, fuck? Guys, you're so mean. can't even say the power? You say mean things to me. Good God. Useless. Do you want to be out of the circle, no. you little bitch? Why I tell Corey not to even include you on these podcasts? God, Dan, no wonder you've never kissed a girl.
1: Guys, you don't mean that, right?
0: Right, yeah, sure. Yeah, we mean it. Get the fuck off this podcast.